1: 1979, the first issue of Fangoria was released into the world. It's been over 40 years and Fangoria is better than ever. Each issue bringing you hundreds of pages of exclusive, carefully curated content honoring horror's past, present, and future. These articles and interviews will never be published online, so the only way to read them is by getting your hands on a physical, collectible copy of your own. We can't give anything away because we want the experience to be a surprise, but we can safely say that you do not want to miss a single page. Head to Fangoria.com to learn more and to, well, subscribe. And while you're there, make sure to enter the promo code COLORS to save 25% off your yearly subscription.
2: And welcome to Colors of the Dark on the Fangoria Podcast Network. I am your co-host, Rebecca McKendry, and with me is...
1: Your co-host, Hurricane.
2: That was awful. I love it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's, you know, second take.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Happy holidays. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing okay. It's, it doesn't feel completely like a normal holidays. Usually I'd be somewhere else, and here we are. Um,
2: usually you and I would be at the New Bev right now watching Which some I'm, type of crazy marathon. I'm wearing I know. a
1: Christmas shirt right now. I I'm love am excited it. about it. It's got a skeleton and Santa. And yeah, it's Slimey you Night. Know, the vaccine coming is exciting in the sense that maybe, after, maybe by summer or after summer, there might be some limited capacity movies happening again.
2: I am hoping to God that maybe by midsummer, Scream. Um, which is usually, like, early August, like, that could be our first horror convention back. Um,
1: or It doesn't feel too long coming. ago that mean and you, w- we saw, uh, we went to Die Hard and Silent Partner.
2: Silent Partner was so yes. good. And
1: that's something we haven't talked about in here, guys. We t- gave you a bunch of Christmas and snow horrors last week, uh, about two weeks ago, but uh, that could be borderline horror because I remember when there's a certain sequence in this movie where it almost feels like a giallo. There's a really vicious murder with a fish tank and I was like you know what that feels like it's borderline GL and it's got a very psychotic um Christopher Plummer the hills are uh, Mm -hmm. Mr. Hills are alive with the sound of music which is kind of wild to see him kind of an SMM gear but so that's a movie we were gonna up up front let's give that a plug but me and you were at that double feature uh only like a year and well it's now probably at the two-year mark because that was when they first opened again so it's it's super weird to not be there um and you know substitute new Bev with any of your local retro kind of uh theaters in your neighborhood but um, yeah
2: and usually you and I are out seeing whatever kind of retro Christmas horror screening they are doing um was last year in in the apocalypse no that was two years ago right
1: yeah we we went to that on its release which mm-hmm. I guess was two year two Christmases ago if it came out of Christmas here I can't remember maybe it didn't come out at that time maybe it was summer
2: but we always do like whenever we do the in-person shows, it's always all of us decked out in Christmas garb, yeah. always exchange presents. So this is, this is kind well,
1: you're of- We are still, I, I was going to- I know, I know. I just I'm wrapped even... it. My wrapping is so so funny. And <laughs> you know what? I'm going to tell you a secret. You're going you're gonna to laugh when you see your present. Uh, I finished wrapping it. I'm really, I'm a terrible wrapper. And then I looked at it and it says, happy birthday. So <laughs> instead, of, instead of taking it out, I then took out the Christmas paper and wrapped the birthday paper inside the Christmas paper. So when you get this present, you're going to have two layers of celebration.
2: I would have kind of enjoyed the happy birthday paper, mm-hmm. but that's okay. It was kind so, of wild. Marnie wanted to wrap your son Keaton's present, and um, she wanted to do unicorn paper because she said Keaton like unicorns a lot. But I think oh, she ended up going with snowmen, so still okay. kind of festive. But You, know, you
1: wouldn't know that you are listening to a horror show right now Not a bit. That's fine Not a bit. because it's the season and you know, well,
2: uh, have your kids watched any Christmas horrors? Cause we watched nightmare before Christmas and we've, we've caught a couple of them, every version of like Scrooge, like the Muppets Christmas Carol, Mickey's Christmas Carol. And they all have some scariest shit moments. That the I Mickey one's pretty loved. creepy. I
1: remember. Yeah. yeah, no, we definitely used to watch nightmare before, but one of them is now scared of it. The other one loves it. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's all funny. There's some new series with a pumpkin. He's a pumpkin who's in Christmas, and he's a pumpkin and he's in Halloween, and he's, it's like a cheesy kind of Netflix series. Well, Isn't
2: that me? sounds adorbs.
1: Yeah, it's okay, but let's let's get to the real deal now.
2: <laughs> okay, y'all. Well, first, right. first,
1: first, before we get to it, we did Burial Ground.
2: Oh my god! It Live
1: was and in person, as close as that gets. <laughs> right.
2: By which you mean via Zoom, and I was wearing pajama pants. Um, and that was, and you were drinking, I I was, I had a professional shirt on, but pajama pants nonetheless. Um, and you were drinking J&B and, uh, it was amazing. It was actually
1: fun. It was fun. We had like, you you know, uh, some people are watching live and it's a good streaming quality, which was the impressive part. Uh, we did a little intro with David Gregory from Severin and afterwards we just Mm -hmm. kind of talked about the movie and, you know, had some fun because it's obviously a fun kind of wild, uh, movie if you haven't seen Burial Ground. And then the fun part was... Yes, there is definitely some salacious stuff, some very uh, incest, if if incest is your bag, then this is your movie. Um, This is your jam, your holiday movie. Um, And then it was fun at the end, they had this thing where we could kind of live chat with people uh, who were watching it.
2: And we got to meet a lot of the Colors of the Dark listeners through that, where like we were bringing in people, some of whom we knew, but some of whom we were meeting for the first time. Um, And it was really cool in that capacity. So guess what, guys? We're doing it again. On December 28th, Elric and I will be hosting a screening of Cruel Jaws. And you can check our socials. We'll be posting it all over there. All you have to do is RSVP through the USC system. This is open to everyone not just students. Um, so yeah, you can tune in. You can watch cruel jaws with us. David Gregor will be joining us again for the top part. We hope, and then we'll be doing Q and A's about shark exploitation. And if you have not seen the cruel jaws, Blu-ray, I do like a, a lecture classy thing on that classy, like a, not classy is in like highbrow, like classy is in like, it's like a class on shark exploitation on the, the Blu-ray. You know what? I'm calling it highbrow too. Shark exploitation, man. It's Cruel
1: Jaws couldn't be <laughs> less highbrow. It might be the least highbrow movie ever made when you think about it. Um, you think about know,
2: how it's is like a threesome with a shark. I know, well, yeah, it's, I it's not just Girl a threesome. Has- it's a
1: threesome with a shark and the dude from Night of a Thousand Cats. I mean, that's <laughs> hot. Hugo Stiglitz. Um, yeah, I'm excited
2: right there
1: you know that's coming out on blu-ray in about a week uh, so i'm i'm all about get picking that one up um but yes you you will teach me some stuff about uh cruel jewels and shark exploitation even though i've seen a lot of shark films i, I haven't yeah, done a lot seen, of study
2: you have seen, a, seen a lot i've things, seen, I've seen a lot of
1: stuff um but anyway and that is brought to you by fangoria so you have to thank them for making it possible with usc so it's mm-hmm. a twofer um and they let me in my favorite thing about the advertising for it is where it says This event is open to alumni, students, people who work here, and everyone else in the world. And my brain's like, wait a minute, isn't it just open to everyone?
2: Well, in theory, when we do these in person, there's a limited number Mm. of seats. And so usually we do these in one of the theaters on campus and we cap at like 300 seats. And I think it's one of those things where we open it up to students, alumni and staff first and then everybody else. Um, But then again, most of our theaters are are massive. And like the week that the pandemic was uh, started and they shut everything down, Elric and I were supposed to host a screening at USC of the Devil's Honey in 4K IMAX.
1: Oh yeah, I actually apologize Now earlier in the show, I was talking about how *Cruel Jaws* is the least highbrow film ever made. Sorry, we can we can already eliminate that because *Devil's Honey* exists. In the *Devil's
2: world. Honey* exists. It is it definitely is, uh, the
1: lowest of the lowest. We is great. were
2: supposed to we we were screening *Devil's Honey* in the IMAX theater at USC because if you're gonna go saxophone, saxophone, let's do that shit in IMAX. And I was so excited about it, and we got shut down that week. Um, but that they've already said USC has already told me that will be the first thing back. The first screening back when they open up the campus is us talking about Devil's Honey in IMAX. That's, that's when go, that's
1: right? when the mutant strain of COVID will really start. <laughs> It'll be like this weird sex virus that everyone gets, and it's
2: totally it's totally going to go full. You shit started
1: lumping my leg, and then it all goes wrong. Um, it goes wrong from there anyway anyway all that fun aside so that that just means some fun stuff coming up and maybe if that one if you I'll, I'll show up if some of you show up at the end of december then maybe that's something we can start doing a little bit more regularly um uh, in conjunction with sean it might be a fun tie to actually be able to show films um, yeah
2: we would love to do it um once a month do an online screening with usc and be able to share films with you i'll rick when i would specifically love to look for stuff that you probably haven't seen before yeah, um twice. some really deep cuts um just wacky stuff I feel like
1: a fun another fun way to do it would be um you know like in the old days you know a movie premieres and it comes out but like when a blu-ray comes out like a brand new let's say cruel jaws was coming out that day hosting a screening for that for the people who can't necessarily afford it that day or can't (laughs) get it that could be a fun way to do it too so it's like in conjunction with a brand new um, title that's coming. Older films. So, uh, yeah.
2: You know, the brand new release of Perdita Durango is coming up. I'm actually one of the talking heads yeah. on that. But I feel like when we go back to like the sleaziest film ever made, like I was even remember, I talked about the trigger warnings before burial ground where I was like, this is kind of a sleazy film. I feel like Perdita Durango. I just need to be like, none of you all are equipped to see this. I'm not equipped to see this, but here we go, guys, let's go in.
1: So, yes, yeah. it's, there's sleazy, and then there's like, I mean, intense and violent. It's definitely a more of a trigger warning than a sleazy film because it's it's like really about sexual violence, but it's not dumb. It's a it, you know, it's a really he's a really obviously a really good filmmaker, and I think it's a really compelling movie. It's just intense, like yeah. It um, is. So yeah, I think that so one would be tough, but consider. exactly that sounds good. <laughs> this is it the annual show, even though this is the first time we've ever uh, been called Couples of the Dark, but I'm pretty sure me and you have done a top 10, uh every hard top 10 every year, year for about 8 years, probably. 8
2: years now, yeah, in various like forms. That. Sometimes televised with way too much makeup on, and sometimes yes. Um, I'm, I'm wearing gym shorts right now. So I'm Did wearing enough makeup on? for both
1: of us. Yes, I have Excellent. pants okay. and uh, lots of cake or whatever it's called uh face cake, um,
2: pancake.
1: Pancake. pancake, whatever. I'm, I'm cakey. Uh, so what, what was your approach? Let's talk about it. And then we'll kind of tell people kind of how we're going to do it. So approach my approach,
2: I will say that this is my second list. I made my first list of the ones, um, I, I guess that, as I, I kind of revamped, I went more personal. Yeah. I made my first list of the ones that I was like, oh, well, this deserves to be in the top because this was just a really well-made film. But then I looked at it and I was like, this list did not feel me. Like it didn't feel like my personal top 10. And I did the first list on Sunday. And then by Monday, yesterday, I had completely revamped it entirely. And I went from saying, well, this is clearly the best films of the year, too. I am in love with these films. I want to make out with these films. Yeah. Um, every single one of the films on this list, like these are just films that I feel are mine, are, are more kind of movies that compelled me this year. So even though that some of the ones that I'll talk about me honorable mention, I think are probably better made films, bigger budgets, shinier. Um, the ones that I ended up putting on my top 10 are ones that I walked away from going, holy fuck, that spoke to me, or it did something to me. And I'm going to be really interested to reevaluate my list in a year or two because I have a feeling that what spoke to me in the environment of everything that we have been through this year, um, and we've been through some shit, uh, I have a feeling that I'm going to look back and kind of be able to kind of see where my psyche was. And I, I mean, like, You know, the isolation, the existential crisis that I think- So just
1: French extreme movies? That's the whole list. That's it. Just the whole
2: list is just French extremism. Just, you know, somebody just poking you. Actually, I watched um, One Bedroom last night, which is- One BR, yeah. One BR, yeah, which was kind of in that vein. And even though that one- It did not make my top 10. I kind of spent the whole movie going, this feels really French extreme.
1: Yeah, um, it, it felt like a little bit of Starry Eyes for sure. A little bit of French extreme. And then it has an ending almost exactly like The init- Invitation, which is invitation. one of the bummers about it. But, but it. but it's still, you know, it's a, good, it's a well done little uh, indie, I thought. And the performances are good.
2: But that's um, not on my top 10. I was neither. just using that as an example. Yeah. Like, where I'm kind of, like, psychologically connecting with it. um, And it's not a bad film. I I don't mean to say, like, oh, it's not in my top 10. It's not. It's still definitely worth a watch.
1: Yeah, I but- could have easily done a 15. I feel like after 10, 10 to 15... I know five to 15 are all pretty similar. Like I, I like them all almost as much. And when I look at my honorable mentions, a lot of them are things like, I really liked all of these. It'd be very yep. easy to do a 20 this year. I think like, it's actually harder for me to do a non list this year than a horrorless. list I've seen almost every new film or, you know, for the most part, I stayed on top of it and has helped me with escapism. I think for this period really mm-hmm. well, um, I did the same thing. I always go personal, but then there was a couple at the last minute. That I was like, Oh, if Just in case Becca doesn't mention it, it has to be on the list because people need to be reminded about this movie. I was this
2: thing. I was like, I, I really... If nothing else, it's it's my number one film I want to champion this year. Yeah. And so a lot of my decisions were kind of like, I want to draw attention to this, so I really want to put it on my top 10 list. And
1: obviously, we won't be going that deep into a lot of these plots, so it'll probably be pretty breezy. I'd say ones that have never come up on the show, obviously, will tell you a little bit more. Ones we've mentioned on the show will be a lot briefer about. Uh, the only key, uh, I guess, rule that we're playing, I, always, I call it the Patrick Bromley F this movie rule. I'm not sure if it's because that's where we originally... Uh, back on Killer PV, I think we took this approach, which is if I say um, 1BR is my number nine and you had put 1BR as your number two, you will simply say,
2: Okay, I, hey, I played it higher. You got to wait. And yep. then we'll, and we'll wait. wait till I get to my. We we'll
1: both discuss time. it then.
2: Yep. And it, it just makes it so that we're not discussing it twice. So there and might I be will, a
1: bunch of that weird stuff. but
2: I will also give the disclaimer that we had a lot of things that we you know kind of crossed the line where it was like it's not a movie but it's not a TV show um and we're seeing this a lot because of VOD streaming and a lot of HBO things they did this year like the limited run series so we are doing a separate list of those which will directly follow and then we also have a list of our new discoveries that we'll get
1: Yeah into. I didn't I don't know if I remembered to do that other list in between but I will make some stuff up as we talk about so
2: Oh I about. I have like just six things to Yeah make. yeah
1: and they're probably a lot of them are probably similar things so i'm not too worried but then yes the fun part so just and the funny part about this is doing a list of 10 i always think oh it's going to take longer last night for the other show i do pure cinema i said let's not do a list of 10 let's, let's just mention a few titles because it's been such a crazy year and we recorded for two and a half hours oh and, and now i realize why you have structure why structure exists structure <laughs> so we're gonna
2: and i do have to say that even just today I got recommendations of some movies that I apparently missed. Um, something called Get Duked. Um, I heard about that one. It's on start. Amazon. And somebody tweeted at me like, oh my God, you're going to love this. It's about a town of old people killing all the teenagers. And I was like, and it's from the UK. And I was like, okay, well, that sounds like my jam. And then somebody else told me about one called Snatchers, that's about teen girls that apparently I'm going to love.
1: Oh, Brian saw that one. Yeah, he, he said it was pretty fun. Yeah, no, I, I think that's always the thing to remember. I, I can't speak for you, but I don't view myself as a critic uh, and critics are people who have to see every single movie. I try because I want to. So every horror movie I watch, I pay for myself or occasionally we get a screener, but it's yeah. always because I want to see it and um, that hasn't turned into a job for me. So there's always going to be a handful that we don't make it to and then we'll keep talking about as they come out. Um, but I yeah. did see a lot. I got to say for horror this year, I think I saw more horror by far than any other genre.
2: I did too. Easy, it so. felt good yeah. Um. for the most part. Like it, it somehow, there were a couple of horror films that like, I remember watching Vivarium at a really bad place where because it's so claustrophobic, I remember having to turn that one off and come back to it.
1: Yeah, so um, uh, Vivarium's my number one. And <laughs> um, because I like to feel, no, I, 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 I respected Vivarium, much more than i liked it i didn't actually yeah. like it i i felt and maybe it was the environment we were living that kind of a world and there's something yeah. so sterile and repetitive and frustrating about it, which is obviously successful for what it was but i also just i wanted that other flavor at some point you know mm-hmm. but but it's really well made um but it is not on my list so <laughs> so we're good okay. um but I, okay. well, yeah let's let's get into it because we'll see where we have overlap and where we don't and um go running
2: okay I will kick off then. Do it. In my number 10 spot.
1: I played that higher. <laughs> all I'm right. just guessing right now. I'm just guessing. No, go for
2: it. Uh,
1: let me just say this. All I'm going to say about it before you say anything the first 10 minutes could be the number one on anyone's list.
2: Right. Okay. So I, mean, I have. To- that's, that's
1: not on my list. But, but I, all I was thinking of before getting on here is the first 10 minutes. It that
2: is- cold open is the best cold open I have seen since When a Stranger Calls Back.
1: It, it's like, like I, John Carpenter, right? It, right? That's what it reminds you of. It's like, yeah.
2: I will end up, because I always do a lesson on building tension in mm-hmm. the cold open when I teach the horror, the big horror um, symposium during the summer, and I will end up showing that sequence because it's 10 minutes of this super tight, well-constructed, beautifully shot exercise in tension. It is just breathtaking, breathtaking opening 10 minutes. And I like where the film goes from there. This is Joko Anwar, who most people know from um, the reboot of Satan's Slaves. Yeah.
1: Or wait, technically, uh, it's not a reboot, right? It's a sequel. It's in kind the of,
2: sequel, yeah. or a, it's in the same the, the Satan Slave averse. Yeah. Um, but he did something in the Satan's Slave averse. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, he's definitely. Um, I, and there was another film that came out this year that was produced by him. I can't remember the name of it, but I saw it. Queen of. Queen of something. It hasn't but, come
1: out yet. It's been a festival thing that you sort of. Yeah,
2: in. I saw it at a festival. But he definitely has kind of set a name for himself in not just Indonesia, but globally. And has really become a name in horror. I will now watch anything he does. I will watch anything he produces. Just if he's attaching himself to it. I kind of trust what he's doing at this point. This one was about. Um, it's got this crazy. Crazy fucking opening. And then it is about a girl. Who is having these kind of. She's She's been adopted. Um, she never really knew her family. And she decides to go research the village. That she was originally from. To find out why these kind of things are happening in her life. She's starting to have these weird instances where people are showing up and asking, you know, knowing her real name and things like that. And is she from this village? And so she goes back to the village to try to figure out what's going on. She discovers that everybody there thinks there's some type of family curse on her. And then it goes completely off the rails. And I had an absolute blast with this movie. It is super gory. It gets super intense But I would have put it in my ten spot just for that opening.
1: Yeah, no, yeah, I agree with that, and I'm really I I was no matter what I was going to bring up that opening today because I think it's the best first ten minutes of any movie this year. Um, It's so good, and and like I said, it feels like a Carpenter film. It's all set at a toll booth, so it feels modern. I think that was the only thing I don't say I bump with. I just I love the modern version of that story so much, being in the modern world that as soon as they go. To the middle of nowhere, it becomes much more of a folk horror, you know. You know, and mm-hmm. because it's much more about a rural legend, and it's still a really well-made movie. It, it wasn't quite up to Satan Slaves, you know, for me because that movie is so good.
2: That was my number three. I looked back yeah. the year that it came out. But yeah, Satan it's great. Slaves That's a great movie. Three.
1: Yeah, and he, he, I feel like he's like a James Wan of a different, you know. I feel like he has mm-hmm. that kind of level of talent. So I think you're right to follow him. Um, okay, my number ten was not on this list. I watched this movie a couple nights ago, so it knocked off a lot of things that I was really, I had a lot of good films that planned in the 10th spot, and this one um, I'm gonna not say too much okay, it's about a, it's called Hunter Hunter, directed by Sean Linden
2: um, I've never even heard of this. Yeah, I, I,
1: me and a couple other people kind of got. I watched it right the hour it came out because I'd heard. Basically, I heard that Devin Sawa, who I haven't really seen much, obviously since you know he was youthful in Final Destination. Now he's like dad guy, and he's 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 really good. I got to say, he's really solid. Um, uh, there's a Nick Stahl role, who's one of my favorite young actors of all time, who's kind of disappeared. He had some drug issues the last decade and kind of disappeared from acting for a while, and then came back. Um, but he was that yellow bastard from Sin City, and he's from Bully. The character and bully and, and all those kind of movies. He's a great actor. Um uh in the bedroom, he's great. Um and Camille Sullivan, who I'm less sure she, who she is, but she's the other lead. So it's about a, a family, uh three person family, a husband, uh, a wife and they're like 13-year-old daughter who are tra- uh, wild- in the wilderness doing um, trapping and living off the land. And you don't really know why they want to live remotely. It's kind of a little mysterious, um, but that's all they do. So he's basically training his daughter to be like as good as him at hunting and uh, skinning animals and all this kind of stuff. That's how it begins. And there's a town not too far away, but they're remote enough. And at the very start, you get this—you uh, you discover that one of their traps, uh, the food has been eaten, and you realize there's some sort of uh, a wolf in the area that is suddenly they're very concerned. And the wife is freaking out because there's obviously some backstory to this particular wolf and how it messes with them and how dangerous it is. Dangerous it is. And the man, Devin Sawa just wants to hunt it and kill it to be done with it. That's his goal. So I'm going to explain that to me, this movie, and I love the movie, the gray, I feel like this movie is the gray meets French extremism. And and, and all I'll say is anyone, anyone and the reason why I'm wanting to put this at number 10, because I haven't even decided where I land on it. I think it's really good tension wise. Um, But it, the last two minutes of this movie are the craziest thing I've seen in a handful of years, not just this year. It's fucking crazy. Crazy. And you'll start to see on Twitter that everyone's going, Oh my God, bleak movie, but those last two minutes. Oh my God. So I would just say to you, you probably want to see this before it gets spoiled for you. Um, it is, and it's not uh, for the faint of heart. Um, and it was pretty shocking. What happens is this film becomes more than a wolf film. It starts there, and then the wolf is uh, carrying a person's hand. And then you realize that somebody else is out there who has been using these same grounds as a burial ground for bodies. So there's a different kind of wolf at play in this wilderness. And suddenly, uh, the man, Devin Sawad decides to hunt two different kinds of wolves and it becomes the, the levels all suddenly ratchet up very quickly, um, in terms of the tension. And I found it very, just, it was one of those movies I didn't, had no clue what I was about to get push play on. And by the end I was, uh, as, as they say, I was a little shook. Um, and it was kind of fantastic. So highly, highly recommend people, uh, just jumping into it blind. Don't, don't get it ruined for you. Um, it is definitely worth the ride. Um. And that is Hunter, Hunter. Again, I didn't even know about it until about a, a few days ago. So,
2: Wow. Oh, yeah. my gosh. That is phenomenal. I've never even heard of it. And now um, I just put it on my list. So I'm going to be checking it out.
1: I, I really hope the one that it bumped off ends up on your list because it's one I really liked. And I was like, oh, <laughs> oh anyway.
2: <laughs> okay. My number nine spot, The Platform.
1: Oh, you know what? I didn't see it. You've never, you've never I, seen it. I totally missed novel? it when it first came out. No, yeah. You saw it and I remember Ryan saw it. I never even I just didn't I can't remember what the conversation was, but I just didn't you, see it.
2: You will really like this one, I think. Cause it's very um it's I know very, it's
1: political and it's all about it's you very know.
2: cerebral. It's yeah. nothing that could exist in the real world. It feels very much like a cube or an exterminating angel, mm-hmm. where it's much more like an exercise in kind of allegory more so than it is something that could actually exist in any capacity. And it is this kind of post-apocalyptic world where people get placed into this platform, into this, this structure. It's like a tower and it's got some 300 floors and every day these chefs prepare this amazing feast and they're gourmet chefs. And it is enough to feed every single person in that Mm. 300 floor structure But the platform with all the food on it gets lowered down. And by the time it gets to around the 100th floor, there is no food left. And then from there on, it's just anarchy, chaos and cannibalism for the lower Mm. 200 floors. And so the whole thing is just a big kind of exercise in how trickle down economics uh, economics does not work because the people on the first 10 floors gorge the people on the next maybe 50 floors. Kind of get a modicum of food, and then from there on, it's just total, you know. Anarchy. I
1: think that's why I didn't watch it though. Was wasn't because that's not necessarily good, but I was like, I, I don't tend to like movies if that's what it. Like, is there also an emotional? There's storyline? a lot
2: of okay. stories within it. So you're following one guy, and the what the way that it's structured, and again, the rules that apply within this, it's like Cube. You know, it's it's set, and and there are rules to it. Every month, they are kind of ancillarily reassigned a floor. So you might start on 100 and then the next month you're on 50 and then you're on seven and then you're on 240 and you have no say about where you're going to end up. If you try to escape, if you try to hoard food, if you try to get to a different floor, they will turn the heat on and actually cook you to death.
1: Oh, gee. Um, so, oh, it, yeah. Don't tell me too much more. I, I'll watch it. It's. I mean, okay. it, it looked really interesting. I just. I sometimes. You know what I mean? Like sometimes you'll watch these movies. I actually think Vivarium is a perfect example where, like, the thing that they're delivering is the message, but I yeah. want. I want the message to be buried under.
2: There's America
1: and emotion, you know,
2: so this one, the message is, is pretty much smacking you over the head just because mm-hmm. it is, li- is literally moving down yeah. um, the structure. I mean, like it's, it's very clear what the message is supposed to be. But at the same time, there's a lot within it because every couple, like every 20 minutes, he'll get a new roommate and be on a different floor and be at a different level of it and then the whole thing changes and then there are some plot lines that you know travel through the whole thing. Okay. So it's it's definitely I found it to be real fascinating. This hit me at a time where it was really speaking to me politically. Yeah, and uh, had definitely kind of conjured up a lot of feelings within me. Again, I went more personal with my list, kind of what the ones that kind of riled me up or made me really feel something this year were. And this was one of them. Well, thank God
1: we don't have to worry about politics anymore. Everything's totally fine now.
2: Oh, me. it seems completely great now. Just
1: That's, how easy is that? You just vote and then everything's fine. <laughs> I love it. Wow. <laughs>
2: so um, go watch The Platform. This is directed by Galder Oh, gosh, I'm sorry. I'm going to chew this name. Gaztula. Yeah, I'm not even going to try. What
1: country was it? It was like Argentina, Brazil, somewhere. Okay, somewhere like.
2: I I think it was, it was just listed as Spanish Oh, okay,
1: yeah. So
2: it may be. um, I'm going to do some research on that while you do your number nine.
1: Well, my number number nine might be on yours. I'm not sure. It's one that I feel like will be a lot of people's number one, actually. And and, uh, some of the horror elements of it deserve to be a number one. So I'm going to say the title and see if it's higher on your list his house
2: higher on my list
1: i had a feeling so we will hold it because i'm kind of happy it's higher because it deserves to be high so i will leave i will save my number nine and we'll go to your number nine
2: okay and so my well my number nine was platform
1: oh okay um, so yeah your so number eight yeah
2: let's go down to my number eight which is relic
1: oh higher on my list
2: Okay, we will hold on Relic then.
1: Then I will do my number eight, uh, which is Wolf of Snow Hollow.
2: Not on my list. It was okay. on my runner-ups.
1: It, it was like number four on my, on my one of my versions. I don't know. The versions keep changing. It, it doesn't reflect the movie at all. I, I love this movie. Uh, this is directed by Jim Cummins, who had won Sundance with his short film, a long take short film called Thunder Road. Then he made a feature and won Sundance again uh, with his feature of Thunder Road, where he stars as both of them. And this felt like... To me, a real leap, but also felt like the same character just happened to be in a horror movie, which I loved because um, he brings a lot of pathos and like midlife crises to his movies that I find very entertaining and can relate he was, to.
2: He was very endearing, even yeah. though he was this kind of very disorganized... He's everything that I kind of you know am frustrated by. Like he was very disorganized. He was very. Um, emotionally impulsive, emotionally out of control, and alcoholic. But at the same it's time, why you like
1: know. me so much? I mean, you know, I, I bring all those things to the same table, right?
2: Um <laughs> Less the alcoholism was- these days. There was something endearing about what he was going through and relatable.
1: Well, and it's also like a you know, 17, 18-year-old da- daughter, and he's like a single dad uh, in a snow. He's a cop in a snow town, um, a ski town, and it's a very quiet town that doesn't have much crime. His dad is Robert Forster, which is significant if you haven't seen this movie, because this is his last role, one of my favorite actors of all time. And this would make a great double with um, Alligator, that Robert Forster, of course, is the lead-in, so it's kind of cool to see him playing cops in animal attack movies. Um, and Uh, he is basically kind of getting ready for his dad to step down because he's kind of getting too old and that he might have to take the job. So he's got just a lot of stuff on his mind. The last thing he needed was basically for a... Uh, what seems to be either a killer wolf or maybe even a werewolf, they don't know, uh, ripping people to shreds from the sex organ um, in the in the snow town, and suddenly it's just, you know, everyone's always giving them shit about, hey, do you catch those killers yet? So there's this comic thing that keeps kind of coming back around, um, but I think you're watching a very human story that's quite funny, and then what I was impressed by and what I didn't expect, I thought this was gonna be just a flat horror comedy. And I, that's what I thought he could pull off, to be honest, before seeing this. Man, in the last I think this has one of my favorite last like twenty minutes, it felt like mm-hmm. Zodiac. Basically oh my it, God, it goes yeah. full zodiac and it gets really intense and you didn't I didn't know what was about to happen and there's some really kind of surprising effect moments that i thought were really well done for what it was um so i think this is just a blast and um he came to my right when it came out he came to my class to talk and i didn't i I wrote to him blind so it's not like some friend of mine and it was so cool to see a filmmaker so willing to just give up his time to just talk to a bunch of people about directing Mm -hmm. and he was super generous so uh, i want to see him uh do more big things and it'd be cool to see more genre i know that's not his normal uh sandpit but a big fan of this one
2: yeah, I kept describing it as Fargo with a werewolf because mm-hmm. um, it does, I mean, it's the snowy town, but it also, it has the Fargo sensibility yeah. where it really is playing with the quirkiness of everybody in the small town, of everybody knows everybody, of, you know, kind of just the nature of the, the the location itself. And then there's this other horrible thing happening at the same time Um, which one actually believes is a werewolf yeah no like and
1: that's actually my favorite thing about it is he doesn't believe everyone else is quick to go oh it's probably could it be a werewolf and he's just like there are no werewolves it's a man and i'm gonna kill him (laughs) like i that's i love that that's his like he just can't accept that there are no werewolves and yet all the evidence is showing it's a werewolf so it's a werewolf uh, which is a lot of fun so anyway i highly recommend that one um again it could be even higher on my list but wolf of snow hollow
2: Okay, so moving on to number seven for me is Freaky.
1: Higher on my list.
2: Nice. What is your seven?
1: My number seven is Alone. Directed. Oh,
2: did yeah. not make my list. On my yeah. runner-up.
1: This is this again. Was in my top five for a long time this year. This is one of my favorite experiences. It, it kind of is a bit like um, in, in terms of tone. It's the closest to Hunter Hunter in terms of that kind of from the frame one. It just is an intense tension piece that you're just holding your breath until it's over uh this is directed by peter heim mr relic's uh son john heims um so i'm curious to see what else he did i heard he did one of the like universal soldier movies recently that was really good which shocked me i was like really there's a good universal soldier um anyway this is um Basically, it's just a, a woman who's kind of um, lost her uh, husband and has packed up all her stuff and she's moving across the country. And on the drive, uh, a car is—you uh, know—she's is trying to pass her, and there's this, you know, this kind of typical uh, comedy of error uh, manners that goes on with those situations that gets a little tense. And uh, later on, the car, the guy from the car comes up to her and you know tries to apologize, and it's very awkward. And he's the bad guy from the Stephen King show, the other, well, he's Mm -hmm. not the bad guy. He's a cop who at some point becomes a bad guy, but really interesting performance in that too. Um, And basically what it's, the first movie I've seen like this, and in, in, I, I might be ever, where from frame one, every time he approaches, she does the right thing, not the thing that you're meant to do because to be polite, she does exactly the right thing. She doesn't yep. fucking talk to him. She rolls up her window. She says, "I'm not talking she to you." Drives she away. drives away. She she, she does some things that are side kind of crazy. Of the
2: road waving, and yeah. She's approaching slowly, and you can see he's got a flat tire, and you're like, "Oh God, she's gonna pull over," and she doesn't. She fucking guns it, and yeah. I was. Will-
1: Cheer I love it. In. Yeah, no, I love it. And she, her, she's great. Jules Wilcox is And she does everything right, everything you can do. And the sad part is it's not enough. Even when you do everything right, if somebody sits there, and I've always thought this about serial killers uh, or that type of person, that if they set their sights on you, you're probably fucked. It's different than random acts of violence, but like if somebody decides That's to, dis- right. no, but if somebody has chosen to destroy you and you don't know them and have no way to protect yourself, it, there isn't, you know, it's a kind of a terrible situation. So he's kind of a Ted Bundy kind of character. And then, it you know it becomes a uh, a back and forth uh, cat and mouse kind of a movie uh, that I just found even though it's nothing original about it, except for her the way she reacts I just found it really um, compelling and and I liked her a lot and I think that something I I noticed about my horror viewing habits this year. Is something that's really important to me is caring. And it's, mm-hmm. there's so many horror movies, and and most of them, I would say, you don't end up actually, you might enjoy the movie, but if you actually think about it, did you actually care? Obviously, the Friday the 13th movies, did I care? And I love those. Do I ever care about anyone? Probably not. Like, even if the person who survives, I'm kind of like, oh, cool, they survived. But this movie actually cared what would happen to this character. And there's a couple others on this list. And I think in a time when we're all going through a pandemic and you really do need something emotionally to pull you through, because if, somebody can survive that we can survive this there's that mm-hmm. uh catharsis i think of all so i felt that one for um hunter hunter too um but but i really like this one the less you know it's very you know the plot's thin but it's it's so well directed i think it's that's tight. the big part it's of it. tense. Yeah. it's really yeah. tense so that's my number seven alone
2: my number six i have a feeling is going to be higher on your list and that is possessor higher higher that's what i figured
1: but at least we're gonna still talk about all these movies.
2: I know. Um, What's your number six?
1: N- number six, um, if this was this was off my list for a minute because of it's a horror list, and I didn't I didn't know whether whether to play this on a horror list, and it, yet it would be like top three of the year for me of all movies. Uh, and that is She Dies Tomorrow, uh, directed by Amy Simets, which is um and it's shot by a good friend of mine, like somebody I've known since I've got to la is the dp um jay and uh interestingly enough and
2: produced by one of our good yep, friends Dave Dave Lawson. Lawson.
1: and it has great cast jane adams caitlin Shield, adam wingard has a small role Kentucky roadly but um it, it's definitely one of my like i have four films that i think are the four films of this pandemic for like how it felt and this is this is the saddest darkest weirdest one this is like the ones that it's all about pure existential dread it's literally a girl literally just believes she's going to die tomorrow she has no reason to think that she just suddenly starts thinking that way and when she tells other people that she feels that way they then start to say i'm gonna die tomorrow and it starts to kind of spread and is it in your head is it or is this the apocalypse coming and the fact that this was made before the pandemic yet feels just so much like what people were going through and Mm -hmm. if you've seen um Todd is Happiness, which to some people would be a horror film, um, one, I think it's one of the funniest uh, dark comedies ever. But uh, totally had a terrible first date to that. Though Oof, uh, no one was getting laid after that. Um, but uh, Jane Adams, who is is hilarious in that movie, I hadn't seen her in a lot of things lately, and she's cast in that. She plays like the sister, the kind of weird sister in Happiness. In this, she plays Caitlin Shield, and she's fucking hilarious. Like so, it's a film that shouldn't be funny, and the trailer wouldn't tell you it's funny. Mm-hmm. But there are parts that are really funny because it's absurd. It's like what will happen? And there's a lot of other cameos in it. Some actually really famous people are in it for like one scene, like somebody from the Fast and Furious films. Just so they must have and it was made on a very low budget. So clearly it's just about um, you know, the the core team. And obviously the director's been a actress for a long time, Amy Simons. Mm-hmm. She's in the last alien movie and stuff. But um and you're next. Uh but I love this movie and I think it's so interesting, and it's one I, I'm looking forward to seeing again t- because it starts It's the kind of movie that I think when you get to it, (laughs) you will think in the first 10 minutes that it's going to be kind of bullshit because it's got this thing that's repeated over and over and it feels, I'd say, almost pretentious in a sense. Um, And then it quickly reveals that, yeah, it has a little bit of that but it's way more self-aware than that and is actually quite darkly funny. And so it has this interesting, I could imagine a lot of people at the start being like, oh, I don't think this is for me. But then once you get through that, you actually it reveals itself to be actually something I think that's actually pretty... All people would get something out of it. Um, so anyway, it's a weird one, but yeah, I think you'll dig it when you get to it. You'll, I think you'll enjoy this one.
2: Excellent. Yeah, I, I've had that at the top of my list for a long time, and I did watch the first ten minutes. Yeah. Um, and then it was one of those nights where I'm like, I'm way too tired for this, and I did not come. Just
1: back trust to me. It. I promise it's funny as well. It just, it, okay. you just kind of have to. I mean, I had the advantage of getting to see it on a screen, like it was at somebody put it up in a garage, so I could at least see it bigger when it came out. Um, and seeing it on the TV obviously isn't the same, but. Um, yeah. But that is She Dies Tomorrow, so a little different, um, that one.
2: Okay, my number five is Host.
1: Uh, Becca, my number five is Host.
2: Oh, I knew we'd do it at least once. <laughs>
1: and, and, let me, and let me caveat that by saying I think this is the best horror film of uh, the year in the more most ways it just you know it's like it's not i have there's other movies that are a little bit more personally connected to me that are above it but i think this is the movie of this year when it comes to horror this is the movie everyone needs to see so it's important that it's on these lists
2: yes and i've seen people calling it not a movie because it's only an hour long oh, fuck, those, fuck
1: those people fuck those oh, yeah people. <laughs> We mean you've been watching these bf bfi um bbc one hour 40 minute 30 minute uh hard they're all movies too so fuck off yeah
2: like, yeah forget that shit um, so host directed by Rob Savage. This one um was made on a pittance. um, they made it for Shutter, and they made it about the pandemic. Like it's the only
1: movie on of all of these that was made during this period, yeah.
2: Yeah, set during the pandemic, made about the pandemic. And this is one of those ones like you did with Wolf Hollow. I reached out to um Rob Savage and the producer Jed on Twitter. They did not know me. I just was like. Hey guys, big fans of the movie. Any chance you might come talk to my class? Because at the time in my graduate class at USC, I was getting ready to force them to make all of their final senior projects over Zoom. And um, they were all freaking out. And I was like, oh, no, no, guys, you can do this. And so, and Jed and Rob came and talked to my class. And it was phenomenal. And we got amazing projects out of it. And so, just so. So generous with their time, just wonderful guys to talk to, and they are the ones who told me to watch those BBC British uh, oh, yeah. stories. They are the reason that I bought that collectible disc. But host just did everything right. It used the situation. It used shit we were all going through. The fact that we were all kind of sequestered. It used that we can't go outside, and it used Zoom right at a time when all of us were. New enough with Zoom that there was still some novelty to it, but familiar enough with it that we all got kind of the in-jokes of it, of the the free account running out of time, of using the filters, of playing around with that thing where you can have yourself walk across the back of the scene and, you know, kind of playing around with all of the crazy novelty of it and really using it as scare devices was the big thing is these weren't just, you know, it wasn't just using all of the capabilities of Zoom. Zoom became part of the scares. And that was awesome and smart and well done. And I just applaud these guys to no end for it.
1: Yeah, uh, I th- and, and I do think they might have known us because I think they might have listened to one of our shows before. They did. Uh,
2: <laughs> as soon as I messed them, they were like, oh, shit, we listen to your yeah. shows. And I was like, oh, cool. Which doesn't they, hurt. You know,
1: but um, yeah. uh, look, they also cracked something for me, which is a big deal because I've long – because here's the thing about found footage movies, right? Found footage movies in a lot of ways are the – most effective, um, and I don't want to say easy, because nothing's easy, but ways to actually create real scares. Like, when I think about modern horror movies, all the found footage ones are the ones that I think tend to actually be the most unnerving, that that have the best scares, because of that uh, limited uh, first-person point of view, for the most part, is kind of, limits what you can see. But... There's some reason why I always kind of also hate found footage films. And this film cracked it wide open for me. It is because they've always had to have so much padding. And so they are always scary. I mean, Wreck is one of the few that I think is all earned. But, like, often there's, like, 40 minutes of stuff in there of story or unimplausible camera work. And then great scares, And then you're frustrated because it's like, oh, now I have to get the setup of why she's filming – for the hospital organization you know and it's a as waste above, of
2: time as the above so below the yeah, like so, so many, many movies ones, I'm like these are great it's 40 minutes of explaining how we get there and why we're there
1: before and, and how the camera works and I think that's one of the f- parts where at a certain point where we're like oh they're gonna film everything and I think because this movie didn't fuck around and said it's gonna be 50 minutes the length of the zoom call what I really found is there's no fat to it it's exact it's all scary because of the setup and the and the relief, and it's a perfect length for a fi- I wish all found footage movies now could just go okay and and to be honest movies now are changing so much if they are not going to be all theatrical then why does it matter theatrical running time only exists so you can show a certain amount of shows per day so who cares now like if a movie's 40 minutes or three hours i really don't think it's going to matter because it's not about show times you know running time so uh so i do think i'd love to see that change with some found footage films getting more to the 60 minute mark or seven you know but not the 90 minutes just like you just don't need it uh so yes well done guys uh that was a, a stellar kick-ass um scared. And it's it's the only film on my entire list that scared me. No no film gave me that real scare. Like, I got, you know, I get movie scared in just that fun way, but that's the only one that actually gave me that moment of pause, watching Sangang uh, and being in the dark and feeling that feeling that, uh, is hard to replicate as we get older.
2: So, my number four I don't think is on your list, because I don't think you watched it yet, and you need to. And that is Sputnik. Uh...
1: A, you're right, it's not on my list, but B, how dare you? We talked about Sputnik, I think. Okay, on, on a deep I liked, yeah, I liked it. Yeah, I like Sputnik a lot. I just kind of, actually kind okay. of forgot about it.
2: This one, I loved the alien element of it. Like it hit me right when I was needing some type of sci-fi horror. The whole setup of it is that there are two astronauts in space and they are on their way back into earth and something attacks the ship and you don't know what it is. You see nothing. then you see them crash landed on earth. One of the astronauts is not just killed. He's like completely ripped apart. And the other one seems to be totally fine. And then we smash cut. We're with a psychologist who has been hired to talk to that surviving astronaut. And then it goes completely off the rails. I was not expecting this movie to go where it goes. And I do have to say the alien looked fucking awesome yeah, i was and you know, so it's and it's and it. It.
1: body horror too and it's got a lot of oh, other yeah. elements that i thought were really surprising and effective yeah no it's it's a really well-made movie too that that was the thing yeah i kind of also just forgot about it to be honest like i i think it would be probably more around the 12 mark on this group of my list but it's still in terms of craft it was really well made
2: yeah i i when i started thinking about it like i don't know a lot of russian horror i could maybe count The Russian horror films, the contemporary ones that I've seen, I can do historical ones. But the contemporary Russian films, I could count maybe 10. And so- Nightwatch
1: guy, right? Yeah,
2: Nightwatch. I mean, like, yeah, there's there's a couple that I can name, but not a lot. And so from that, I had tweeted like, okay, well, I definitely want to start watching um, more Russian horror. And so one of um, our listeners in Russia actually sent me over a really long list of Mm. like- contemporary Russian horror films that I need to see. So I've added a bunch of them to my queue. Most of them are really hard to find in the States. Like we don't get distro here on a lot of Russian horror films. So I'm hoping to be able to hunt them down and see them in 2021.
1: One of them, I'm just going to pull up. uh, John Waters had a really fun we were just talking about it on our uh, <coughs> deep cut Patreon that we recorded this last night. butt
2: boy? Are well, you going to talk but, about no, butt boy I'm not going to talk again. about
1: butt boy again, but that was his you number one. You guys can go
2: listen to our Patreon for right. all of your butt boy needs. If you
1: need more butt boy. But um, no, I'm just trying to see. He There was another movie on his list that I hadn't heard of. That is a Russian, uh, how, let's just see if I have, I think it's called Why Don't You Go and Die? Uh, why I Don't have- You Just Go and Die?
2: I have it sitting on my DVD shelf as on my to watch shelf that yes. was released by arrow. I think it
1: might be, but it also, it just hit on Amazon prime and it's apparently it's like a guy meeting the parents of his girlfriend or something. And then mm-hmm. apparently there's a lot of blood and it's violent, but I don't, and funny. I think it's a dark comedy, but I have not seen it. So uh, I was trying to get to it before we did our list. So that is, I believe Russian. So, um, all right, number four, get ready. Cause this is one you, you, you're going to be talking about too. That is, I think, maybe the most entertaining movie of the year. Freaky. Chris Landon. That
2: is my number seven, yeah. and yes.
1: like this, Like, I feel like of all the movies that came out this year, if there wasn't the pandemic that's the movie that would have kicked so much ass at the box Mm -hmm. office. It's just the movie for the box office. I think
2: would have been so fun to see with a group of people in a theater. Just howls. I I wish we could have seen that with a group.
1: Yeah. It's a freaky Friday. If you haven't seen it yet, um, do yourself a favor. Look, I'm also the last person you would normally think would play a movie like this this high and yet I thought it was one of the best made movies of the year like I wasn't, we weren't just saying that to Chris Landon it, it's just so fun it's like uh, you know Vince Vaughn is a serial killer who is beamed into the body of the girl he's trying to uh, murder who is like a 17 year old kind of uh, outsider character Catherine Newton pl- uh, plays that character not
2: even outsider she's like awkward Yeah, she's like yeah. a 16 year old she's the nerdy awkward 16 year old who yeah you she's know, got her own style he though did. she's
1: not like a total nerd she's like a, you know, she's just kind of, uh, she's someone who's picked on a lot too. They established that she's rather b- bullied. She's a
2: bit hapless, I'll call her.
1: Yeah, she plays also as the, uh, mascot. She's the mascot for the sports, uh, team of the school. So that's always a little weird too, uh, when other girls are cheerleading. So, um, but yeah, so they switch bodies because of this ancient dagger. And, and the cool thing about this movie and why I think I like it even more as much as I love, um, what's the, what's the first one? Um, that Blumhouse did that. uh, Happy Death Day. Happy Happy Death Day, I still think is brilliant and funny, Mm -hmm. but I think I like this more because of how hard it pushes the rating because Mm -hmm. that opening sequence where it's just an opening where he just is murdering an entire household of people. Oh my
2: God, the tennis racket, I fought. Like I lost, I remember I watched this on election night, the first election night, it kept going for a while. But I remember I had gotten a screener copy of it and I watched it while simultaneously compulsively checking the election results on my phone. And I lost my shit at the tennis racket scene, and I needed that. Yeah, this
1: is pure escapism, but it's also about stuff. And you have a lot of the voices seem to be firsthand voices. Uh, it mm-hmm. seems to be people who are, haven't been on screen playing themselves uh, in yep. a long time. And I thought that, and, and still funny and still well-written and like a John Hughes movie. Uh, so it's, you know, uh, Michael Kennedy is the writer. He's a you know, great writer, just did a great job with this. Um, but it's also just really funny and seeing Vince Vaughn basically play a 16 year old 17 year old girl for a movie is so fun and I just go back to like Brawl and Cell Block 99 and think of between that movie and this movie I'm like oh my god that is probably the best range you'll see in a while
2: oh my, uh, watching Vince Vaughn run as yes, a 16 year old yes. girl yeah. was the highlight of my and, and
1: changing room too I thought was really fun watching <laughs> and going pe- peeing standing up is always fun to watch. I
2: just like yeah. the line do I wipe yeah, yeah, yeah. because it was just such like a throwaway line but it was yeah. Another one where I was just guffawing if a sixteen year old gets kind of teleported into a, a you know forty-year-old man's body or fifty-year-old yeah. man's yeah. body. Um and after she pee, she's like, Do I white? It's like I i just lost it at that yeah.
1: line. No, it, it really made the most of something that could be really stupid, you know, and seemed is so obvious because obviously it was gonna be freaky Friday the thirteenth was the original concept, I guess. Um but anyway, I love it and I think it's so entertaining and it's one of the few that I'm excited to rewatch for that just to escape and kind of have that humor. So uh, number four is Freaky.
2: And that was my number seven, which takes us to our number three spot. My number three is Underwater.
1: Well, okay. So I have a confession to make. Uh, Underwater uh, on my list, um, if you had taken a screenshot about an hour before show, I think this was at, six for me it's one of my favorite experiences in the theater this year and i cut it from my list because i knew 100 it was going to be on yours and i had one other movie that i was like i better fit something in there so i love it too but i'll let you talk then.
2: okay so underwater is in my three spot because this was by far my favorite theatrical experience of the year and i will say i did not have a lot to pick from i think in 2020 i made it we because we usually saw movies together I think we made it to the theater maybe four times before the shit hit the fan, if that. And some of those were retro screenings. Yeah. Um, But Underwater, I have a feeling, would still be on my list regardless. Oh, yeah. No,
1: I think it was something that people thought was going to be a write-off. And I felt like it was being dumped at that time of the year. And like we were all like, this is brilliant. It's one of the best Underwater horrors ever. It's like Alien. It's got a great cast. I love the cast. Oh, my
2: God, yeah. And I loved that it did not fuck around. Like... Three minutes, she's brushing her teeth, and then the whole thing explodes. It's like, we don't need backstory. Who cares who these people are? What's her role on the ship? I don't know, something technical. We are in the whole underground. And I mean, they were there. I don't, they were mining. Like, why are you ever at that bottom of the deep in in movies? You're either mining or core samples or something like that. It's always research. And they are there, I think, for mining purposes. And then shit starts exploding and they realize that there is something massive outside that is fucking up their pod, their entire structure, and they're trying to get to safety and get to the escape pods and it is an amazing cast. The creature effects in this blew me away because it's not just one creature, it is all of these different types of things. And I just had a blast in this movie. I remember cheering out loud when we saw it in the theater, um, which I was not entirely conscious of, but afterwards I remember um, it was Ryan saying like, you actually like cheered out loud at one point. And I was like, yeah, I probably did.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's really fun and the effects are great. And it's, uh, it's just one of those ones. I'd love to get the director on at some point. I I found it to be, uh, just so refreshing. It has Kristen Stewart in the lead, and that what, is
2: uh, William Eubank.
1: William Eubank. And but what really sold me was the casting of Vincent Cassell. I always think if you get a good captain character in there, and you know, taking him from movies like Gaspar Noé movies and Irreversible, having him a uh, French guy in there just it gave it a different kind of gravitas. And
2: it's uh, Christmas, so let's be sure to fit. Oh, what's his weird French Christmas movie that's really incestuous in there? shit. Uh, Shitan, thank Chitan,
1: you. yeah, yeah, that's a fun. Yeah, no, he's a great, I love him as an actor. I think he's so fun. Actually, I think I told you, I I ran into him at my, where I work. He was just sitting there looking like a million dollars dressed in this beautiful suit. And, and I was like, oh my God, it's been good. And we don't ever talk to people where I work. You know, if you see celebrities, I just went straight up to him and was like, dude irreversible <laughs> and then he was like yeah actually gaspa is re-editing it now to be in sequence i don't understand why <laughs> and I, was like, I was like all right and i heard that played in venice or somewhere i'm so curious how that plays because the whole point of it is kind of how it's backwards but um,
2: that it's irreversible yeah, yeah
1: exactly so i'm curious why they did that but um i did want to recommend something so since we did that uh, that was a while ago, and we know Leviathan's obviously a deep sea mining movie horror that we mm-hmm. all love too. Uh, I came across uh, a couple months ago. We were doing a TV movie episode um, uh, for Pure Cinema, and I came across one that's really similar to this. They don't go underwater; it's all above, but in a mining, you know, in the middle of the ocean, uh, called The Intruder Within. I think it's on. Um, it is on YouTube. It's a ninety minute, and it's really it's between it's somewhere between that and The Thing. And they basically find this ancient fossil that they accidentally dig up. They bring it on board. And then basically this creature starts forming and starts knocking off people on this mining device. And everyone, it's like taken really seriously. It's not like jokey at all. And I thought it was a really cool horror film. And it feels just like a normal movie, even though it's a like ABC TV movie of the night from 81, 1981. So The Intruder w- Within, I definitely recommend that if you dig It's good we can throw our deep cuts into our (laughs) Our main thing. Um,
2: What is your number three?
1: My number three is is almost my number one of the year, but it's my number three on horror. And I wasn't even sure whether to play on the horror list. And I don't think I'm going to say the title because I'm going to be that confident. I'm not going to say the title. My number three is a movie I'm not going to reveal right now because I'm that confident it will be higher on your list. And if I'm wrong, I'll tell you later. But I think I'm right.
2: Oh, oh, that's a baller
1: it, movie. Well, you there, know, dude. I mean, it's an explosive pick, and so we'll see. If oh, I, uh,
2: yeah, that's uh, higher on my list. Uh, it's
1: one of the it's one of the best movies of the year. I just didn't know where to put it on my heart list, so I was like, yeah,
2: okay, I, 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 that that might be higher. We on will my we list. will talk about. Okay. So I didn't
1: even have to reveal it. I want to save it so people can have that uh, thrill of the reveal.
2: So, um, for number two, they're both ones that we've played in other spots. So my number two is His House, which was yeah. your number nine. It
1: was number nine. And I'll be honest, that was the one that I had kind of, uh, underwater was on there. And I just kind of, it wasn't, that I forgot about it. I think it's one of the best films of the year. I think it's one of the best, um, film debuts. I think the horror stuff is some of the, it's definitely one of the best, the horror sequences I think are amongst my favorite. I just found after it was over that I didn't think about it as much, which is weird because there's so much to think about. And I don't know if, and I was thinking, I was trying I was talking to a friend, of mutual friend of ours, Monti Yazzie, uh, mm-hmm. who's a critic and, as well and a programmer. And I was just like, I think for me, sometimes if a film, nail, they nail it, but sometimes if all the secrets are revealed and all the mysteries revealed and I kind of understand it all, maybe sometimes it fades from my memory. It doesn't take away from it. It's still brilliant. Um, but, th- but I want it to be higher and I'm really glad it's this high on your
2: list. Yeah, this is my number two. So this yeah. one really. stuck with me for a couple of days. I was still thinking about it. This is, um, the whole setup is, uh, I think they're from Sudan mm-hmm. and refugees, they are yeah. Sudanese refugees and they are coming across. And all you know is that on the way across the Mediterranean, they lost a, a child that was traveling with them. You perceive it to be their daughter. And they have now arrived in Britain, in the UK. They have been granted asylum. They are given the shittiest house ever. It's huge, but it's it's like a big townhouse, but it is absolute shit falling apart. And they move in and they are given very specific instructions that they are not allowed to leave. They need to show that they are adjusting and acting like citizens. They need to show that you know everything is going well. They need to show up. They have to be healthy. And all of this stuff, and they are given all of these requirements in order to stay there. But that place is haunted as fuck.
1: Yeah, and and, and some legit Fulci shit, like yeah. actually creepy and actually like scary looking e- effects and prosthetics. Oh my god, yeah, it, it really those moments are unreal. Like n- no one else this year did that kind of horror. You know that. Yeah, when of- I
2: say yeah, like haunted as fuck. Don't think like Blumhouse level as haunted. You're right when you say Fulci. Like yeah. this is next level haunting. This is like. Things crawling out of the wall and seeing stuff and just it gets so visceral and body horror oriented. It
1: kind of becomes kind of a curse movie. Like mm-hmm. it's what it feels like. It's, and um, yeah, the, the person, they live in these council flats in, in the UK. And if you see enough like, you know, uh, British kitchen sink kind of dramas, you're like, oh, it's so depressing. And so it mixes the, the husband trying to really fit in. And there's a great scene where he goes to, it's not like a target, but like an urban outfitter. It's like an
2: he, old Navy. Yeah,
1: old Navy. And he's just the way he's trying to fit in. Um, to
2: polo shirts yeah
1: he's willing to kill his past and who he was to to fit in for this new life partially because he doesn't want to feel the pain uh, associated with the loss that they felt whereas the wife is the opposite she's gonna she doesn't want to lose who she is she wants to lean into the pain and lean into the remembering and she also is much more in tune with what's happening in the house because she's able to communicate and understand that they're at fault somehow and then it starts opening up into a film that goes from the fulci vibes to more of a somewhat more more political allegorical stuff and mm-hmm. it, you know so there's a lot in this um it uh, it's a great movie period and it's definitely one of those like debuts where you're like if that's your debut you're in good place because it yeah this so is
2: Remy Weeks, and this one is on Netflix, and definitely one of the heavier hitters. I keep seeing this as number one on a lot of the lists.
1: Yeah, and I think I think Netflix hasn't done enough with it. I'll be honest. I think it's horror fans who are getting the word out there. I mm-hmm. don't believe – if I think if Netflix realized they have a film that could actually be kind of like an award contender, it, it, yeah, this it has that tone. Feels,
2: you know? This feels like it could be an Academy Award or, or something. even – Yeah, you know, something. I agree. It, yeah,
1: it, it's definitely. Yeah, no, I think it, I think it has done a bit of that in England. So I think people it also has one of the Doctor Who's is the person who gives them the flat, uh, Matt Smith, who was a Doctor Who about three Doctor Who's ago. And mm-hmm. so I thought that was funny to just see him in that kind of role. But uh, yeah, no, it's a great movie. And if you haven't seen it, um, I'm glad it's so high on your list. Yeah, uh, number two. Folks. Um, my number two is one that, yes, it was your, I'm not sure what it was, I think it was seven or so, uh, and that is Natalie Erica James's Relic.
2: Was my number eight.
1: Yeah, so this is, um, this for a long time was my number one this year. Uh, Her short film I saw a couple years ago at uh, Etheria and that was called Creswick, and that was one of my favorite shorts i 've seen in years yeah. and it's and the feature is exactly that basically, but with some gender reversals and a deeper story but it 's that same kind of horror and it 's my favorite it 's the most me movie like it 's the film it's it 's like the kind of horror i 'm interested in making and whenever you see a movie that kind of nails that tone that you love. Uh, it's always really rewarding to know it can work, I guess, because um, it's somewhere between art house and slow burn, but also really intense, crazy shit happening, um, some bonkers stuff. But it's it's a lot, and it's about something very real, which is uh, you know uh, the loss of uh, an elderly person who uh, you say you know has lost her husband and is starting to slowly get dementia. Uh, yeah. One of her, her daughter, who she's a little strange with, decides to come back to try to look after, her, and her daughter comes. So it's really cool to see three generations of woman all in a house together uh, and just how different they are and how they're trying to handle this. And so you go from like little post-its that remind her of things that she's trying to remind herself. And then things start getting darker and you start to go, is somebody watching me or is there a dark shadow presence in the room with me? And then it starts opening up other parts of the house that don't, shouldn't really exist. And then it becomes this really this mental mind fuck kind of horror that I always find. So just intense and wild.
2: Yeah, I loved how it does open up parts of the house because it really did feel like what somebody with dementia would be going through, hmm. where you do get lost in your own house and you know just the holes in your memory. This one hit me at, and the reason that it was on my list is again I was going with the personal ones, the ones that I was haunted by days later, and this hit me just at this incredible point. It was um, I was actually home visiting my family and you know my parents are now in their 70s and are really starting to have some significant health problems and so looking at them and what they're going through and then looking at my children and saying oh my god in like another 40 years or so that's where i'm going to be and they she's going to be looking at me like this and it was just this kind of big generational realization of where we are all headed at some point that we are all you know kind of captive in these bodies and headed to if you're female you're headed to the hag like no matter how hard we try you are always headed to that kind of proverbial hag and so it's it definitely like this one left me shaken
1: yeah and everyone's really good in it it's australian Mm -hmm. um uh emily mortimer is really good at bella heathcote's really good um Yeah, it's not doesn't really it's not one that you need to say you it's kind of movie you want to talk more about it right after than before because there are things to work out still mysteries in there that I haven't you know some of them I haven't filled and it probably has my favorite last image this year like it's a pretty amazing horror image and it's really just it's sad but also just visually like whoa um so i think this one was on netflix does that sound right or a shutter no Uh, i feel like
2: one it's not on netflix i don't think i think this is like an amazon rental
1: okay it's 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 available either way you can find it um yeah and i do i recommend it and it's i'm excited for what she does next because you know i did notice that short so i i was really excited when i realized it was the same person Um, yeah
2: i'm excited for whatever she does
1: yeah Sure.
2: Which brings us to our number one. So, number one. Um, and both of our number ones have been on each other's lists at some point.
1: Yes. So and your number one, number I'm excited one, about.
2: My number one film was Spontaneous, which I know that there are going to be people out there who are like, it's not a true horror film. The setup of this movie is that in a high school, out of nowhere, members of the senior class start exploding. Spontaneously combusting, but it's not even spontaneously combusting like we think of it. Because when I think spontaneously combusting, I think bursting into flames and it's like a flash. These people are exploding internally, like guts flying, like a massive bomb goes off in their torso and their head lands over here and everything hits the ceiling and it all hits their friends. And it happens one day and everybody's like, what the hell was that? Weird. And then it just starts happening. And every couple of days, another member of the senior class just explodes. And it has a little bit of the scientists trying to figure out what's going on. They quarantine them. But mostly it's this one girl and watching her entire life fall apart. But at the same time, she falls in love with a boy throughout the process of this. And then watching them kind of go through it together. This was the most beautiful thing I saw this year.
1: Well, it it puts in context the idea, like, let's say for for us, right, as people, uh, if we had known the pandemic was coming, say, three weeks before, 100%, if you're guaranteed you knew, how would you spend those three weeks, right? Yep. If you know there's a limit or you know that you could explode any second. So suddenly the, so it's really at its core, it's a very strong coming of age film. And this would, I think this is my number two favorite or most, or number, it's almost tied for number one favorite just movie of the year. Um, and for horror, I was just a little more confused at what to do with it. But um, because it's just, it's this great coming of age film. It's, it nails a lot of the, things that you're thinking about as a teenager that we're still thinking about as as adults. You, you yeah. just they just burn a little hotter when you're uh 17 18 um of what to do next and what matters and what friendships are worth investing in versus a new love and what to chase, you know? And it's and so those elements are great, but then you also just have blood and gore splatter uh, uh, everywhere every, you know, Constantly. couple of minutes. And the and the writer I uh, heard a really fun interview with him where he said he needed to put a He needed to put a death in the first like 30 seconds because he, he didn't want people thinking it was just some, you know, uh, teen romance thing like the poster, unfortunately worst poster of the year, I'd say. Oh um, God. Yeah. And probably and why a lot like of people haven't like seen a romantic
2: it. romantic comedy. Yeah. Oh, I, I think it's yeah. why a
1: lot of people haven't seen the film. I think if somebody gave them great killer art, it would be a whole different story. Um, and
2: because of that cover, people aren't perceiving it as a horror film. And I, I got into an argument with somebody on Twitter a couple of days ago where if the reason that they are exploding, and I mean, it is visceral fucking like, you know, limbs flying, explosions happening. That's very gory and horrific. It is never really given a reason in the film. Yeah. They kind of dance around it, but that is, it's it's never really given a reason. If they had just said, it's a parasite. Oh, it is. Yeah, this horror vibration. film in <laughs>
1: people's minds.
2: <laughs> Immediately, you know, oh, it's vampirism. Immediately people would say, oh, it's a horror film, but because it's not identified And what is causing the people to explode is not the focal point their relationships are. People aren't really viewing it as it's hard. Existential. But it's
1: existential. It becomes existential in yeah. the same way that um, she dies tomorrow, an, and it's just a different kind of thing. But it's, but it but is it's hard. it's one of the
2: goriest films of the year. Yeah,
1: and funny, and it's and, but it's it's yeah, it's got the kind of freaky tone at times too. Um, yeah, definitely. The actress Catherine Langford, she is also the star of um, Is it Thirteen Reasons Why, That big Netflix show where it was about the suicide of the girl and the tapes. She's the star
2: uh, of okay. She was also in Knives Out. Yeah, and yeah, she's a dot too. Amazing, yeah, she's great.
1: So she, but yeah. she's really, really charming. I think this was made a couple years ago. But the crazy thing, and why we need to get up on the show, is the guy who wrote and directed this. This first film he directed. He also was the writer of Underwater and he wrote one the that The Babysitter. Yes, and one that you didn't see this year that I think would almost make this it's not quite, it's not as uh, adult it's a little bit, excuse a little younger, but it's called Love and Monsters, and I watched it, and I thought of you straight away, because it has giant scorpions giant crabs, giant I'm in. and so I was like, this guy's Killing it this year, and he's really well, he's nice following and
2: funny. He's me on Twitter now, so I will, I will message him. Yeah,
1: tell him, him tell him we want to talk horror movies with him because I think he, you know, a he's just had a great year. But um, and and it's funny, it just goes to show everyone would see that as wow, what a year you had. It's like, but spontaneous was delayed for two years. It was meant to come out two years ago, and Underwater is, you know, so there's probably all these reasons why you get and all these.
2: I was seeing this one article that was talking about him and it was like brand new breakout. You know, guy had four films in one year with the babysitter and um, or in two years uh, because the babysitter was last year and underwater and love and monsters and spontaneous. And then you look at his actual history and he's been in like Hollywood trying to get stuff out there for like a decade. Yeah, yeah. So it it takes time, but I remember when Starry Eyes came out and everybody was like, "Kevin Widmeyer and Dennis Close, Young Turks break out," and they were like, "We've been here for fifteen years." Yeah. Um, so yeah.
1: But better that than old timers -timers. finally make hit the gold. Um, You don't want that. But anyway, yeah, I'm with you. This is uh, this is one that, funnily enough, this was on my list. Like I think before you found it, but I just didn't the post because I'd heard about it a while ago being good, and I didn't want to push play because the art was so bad. And then you loved it, and then I think something. Then like within a day, I think I was finally watching it.
2: I think I made like I kept poking. Yeah, it took
1: like a couple days, but. I loved it. I love this movie. And, it, and it's in my four, my four uh, films of like the pandemic that, that I was tweeting with was like Palm Springs. Uh, yes. She dies tomorrow. Spontaneous. And um, what is the fourth one that is very much about now? I'll have to look on my, on my thing, but there's those movies that just feel like they're set up. What we're, what, you know what I mean? They're all movies that it's like, we've lived through something. A mm-hmm. uh, host, sorry, host was the other one. So host, oh, yeah. she's dies tomorrow, Palm Springs and spontaneous, not all horror. Cause Palm Springs is obviously a a time loop movie, but again. Palm
2: Springs is almost horror. Almost, yeah. pushes pushes some of the,
1: but it's funny as hell. Yeah. Uh, Like
2: if it had been a little bit more edgy, because it is a time loop and somebody is trying to kill him. It's just, he's hilarious in it. So it goes more comedy.
1: Uh, Okay. So my number one um, is a film by uh, David Cronenberg. What? <laughs> what? what you mean oh he hold, no, no. Hold, hold my beer it's moment <laughs> uh yeah which is crazy because usually i that gives me the heebie-jeebies when i hear oh this person's falling in his dad's and you're like oh yeah whatever you're never gonna and i haven't seen i didn't never watch the first one so i didn't have anything to um kind of go on and this movie just
2: antiviral improved. is great
1: i know but again it the antiviral looks more like um Pla- the, way, the way platform looked to me where it's a, the central idea seemed to be what was being advertised. Like, oh, the serum of celebrities makes you sick. And I was just like, eh.
2: You need to watch it. Okay. Yeah, funny.
1: I will. No, I will watch it. Uh, well, now I will. Uh, so this movie- I mean, it's
2: much smaller than this, but yeah. yeah. Oh, so good. this
1: is Possessor Uncut. You do be very careful with what you watch. You do not want to watch the cut version, which is out there. Uh, and especially on Blu-ray, like I almost bought it the other day. Uh, make sure it says Possessor Uncut because the uncut is important in this because it's actually the violence that walks, I walked away from- Anytime a movie reminds me that violence feels bad, (laughs) it's a good thing because it's so violent and then the violent continues. And like if somebody's stabbing someone, it's that extra second that makes you uncomfortable and feel bad. And I remember just going, Jesus Christ, this is pushing it even compared to Pops. And I think you can sum this movie up in two, which is descends meets Eastern Promises, both daddy's movies.
2: Good comparison. <laughs>
1: you know, because it's got the genre crime trappings kind of thing of Eastern mm-hmm. Promises, but the sci-fi of Ex-descends. Um So it's basically, uh, it's a world of kind of corporate assassins. And some of this you don't know until, you know, the, as the story's going. Uh, Andrea Riseborough, who's just incredible, who we've all seen in Mandy and many other things. Uh, she is a corporate assassin who uh, is basically they have a technology that can beam her into the body and the consciousness uh, of somebody who is say uh, close to a target that this mm-hmm. this group has. Um, Jennifer Jason Lee being the person uh, running this group. Of course, there's your ex-descends connection. Um, And you see a couple of these murders. They're really intense. And then when she comes back out of them, they have to do these memory exercises to make sure she's not losing herself. But really, this is a movie about a character is losing themselves and losing their connection to their own life, their reality, uh, maybe their sanity. And she gets beamed into Crystal. And so basically, when you're inside somebody, they don't have any free will. They just, you take over Everything and you just kind of are them during that period. But she beams into Christopher Abbott, who we uh, we've all seen from *Piercing* and a few other great movies, uh, and he starts to resist. And he's close to the target, which is Sean Bean. And uh, he it starts getting complicated when he realizes he can actually he has some ability to kind of fight back a little yeah, bit. Yeah,
2: he's a fighter. And
1: it gets really crazy. And it becomes a real mindfuck. And there are vision sequences in this. that, And the reason this is my number one, this is my number one just movie of the year. Um, So on both shows when I did the pure cinema one too. It's just, it, I just want to sometimes get blown away by something. And I'm not that emotionally invested. It's a cold movie. It's not like spontaneous where my heart is bursting.
2: I didn't um, cry at the end of this one. No, but this, I did yeah. walk away shocked. Yeah, I mean, like
1: yeah and and beautiful style and beautiful like just chops and ideas and it just you know blew me away as a vision in the same way like mandy or something is mandy's a lot more tongue-in-cheek obviously but in a way that somebody just goes hey look at this movie i'm gonna blow knock your socks off for an hour and a half and if you haven't seen it yet just jump into it um because it's like it's like a really fucked up dark mirror episode like that pushes it even further than uh most of that show does so uh that is possessor uncut um my number one so Excellent. we should be briefer on our honorable mentions. because we.
2: Okay, so honorable mentions. Um, so we went to this amazing festival, the Panic Fest. And while we were there, we saw Sea Fever, Swallow, and Disappearance at Clifton Hill, which was just, it, I think we saw them all in the same day as well. And it was just like this perfect screening day. Those, all three, amazing films. Sea Fever, just a really um, low budget, but it's a really cool little aquatic horror. Swallow is uh, was on John Waters' top 10 list, and it's about the pregnant woman who um, gets pica, where she becomes obsessed with eating weird things, And kind of use it as a way to take self-control.
1: And I I have that down as like probably one of the best performances of the year, Hayley Bennett. Oh, by far. And just the style of the movie and the performance. It's harder to place it firmly in horror. It's definitely horror-ish, but it's Mm -hmm. also just like a messed up kind of drama. Uh, But yeah, I'm with you on that one. The, The big one that neither of us put on, and I think we both admit, if this was, if you did a list that was, uh, trying to be less just, oh, this is my opinion versus what is the best movies of the year. Uh, I think Invisible Man would be Invisible
2: Man one or yeah. two
1: best movies of the year. I think we both took for we both kind of took it for granted that it's so obvious and so well made that yep. neither of us put it on. So I, I feel a little bad for it, but uh, it lead- was
2: in my ten spot and yeah. I kicked it for Empedocor. Yeah,
1: because you want to share some new movies, but uh, the one that got kicked out of my ten spot, which kind of breaks my heart and as in hopes that might've gone on yours. And I loved it from a couple weeks ago. Anything for Jackson.
2: Jackson, It's just so fun. Yeah.
1: Just messed up. Um, I've got a couple others. Um, Mm -hmm. The one I thought wretched was actually really good. Um,
2: I have the wretched down here as well. I really, that one's grown on me. I remember the first time I watched it. I was a little taken aback um, and didn't know what to make of it, but I ended up going back and watching it again a couple of weeks after that and loved how kind of it was in the same vein as the graphic novel Witches with mm-hmm. a Y.
1: Yeah, no, that and stuff is the best stuff, the witch loved, stuff's great.
2: Yeah, the ethereal witch stuff was great. Um, yeah, we should get Brad on the show yeah, as well. Yeah,
1: no, I like, I like that film a lot. Um, but the ones that I'm like, this is a, this is the problem with festivals, is I saw Come to Daddy the year before.
0: By mm-hmm. come to daddy
1: is this year, but it's also not really horror, but it's one of my favorite movies of the year period. Like it's a dark comedy. It's definitely not a horror film, but it's hard to know where to put a movie like this. And so it's hard for me to know, but I love this movie. It makes me laugh as great twists. Uh, so I definitely need to mention it. See, I'll
2: say the same thing about Synchronic, which is uh-huh. Justin and yep. Aaron's new movie. Um, it's not horror. Well, it's, it's sci-fi. sci-fi it's, yeah, it's
1: hard sci-fi. Yeah. But
2: I really enjoyed it, so I yeah. definitely wanted to mention it. If you have not I seen I
1: mentioned Synchronic, it on the um, Pure great. Cinema one too, because I was like, it, it, it's one of the few, of all the films I saw this year, it's the one that I think would have done the best, uh, along with Freaky. But for a smaller movie, I think it's the movie that mm. could have really made some waves in theaters of people seeing them kind of swing for the fences with something on a lower budget, but that looks like a huge budget the way they did it. And I think it's a real shame for that particular film, the way this pandemic kind of, it just, they, it didn't get the kind of release that a film like that probably deserved. So
2: yeah. Synchronic was huge and it did. Just kind of was a flip. So, yeah, I would love to see that one get more love. We
1: didn't, we didn't do our, um, like, new films up top for obvious reasons, but there was a movie I saw about a week ago that I – it was very close to making this tent, and I freaking love it. And the story behind it even better. The Deeper You Dig – have you heard of this?
2: I have not. Okay,
1: asked. this one, I had heard somebody mention it, and I expected it wouldn't be good because of this. It is a father, wife, and daughter who are completely responsible for – the performances and the direction of this movie and the writing. So it's basically uh, the dad is family. co-directed. Yes. It's like a family directed movie. So it's called the Adams family because their, their last name is Adams. So, and the, they've apparently made a few little, you know, smaller movies, but this one actually came to shutter. I only watched it about a week ago. So I, I would have normally put it up top. It came very close to my 10 spot. Cause I love a lot of things about it. It's basically, um, so the, the dad is the director, his 15 year old daughter is a co-director. Uh, the Mom is one of the stars the little uh, The Daughter is also one of the stars so it 's basically a Mo a single mom um, it 's in a snowbound. It almost came up because it was snowbound um, it 's uh, The Mom and the Daughter live alone. Uh, She is a kind of a medium or something, but not. you don't know if it's real or if it's just a thing she does. The daughter's kind of a punk and 15-year-old and has a lot of attitude but is really nice and kind of sweet, and she wants to go sledding. Uh, There is a neighbor guy who is flipping a home who's kind of dark and brooding who is actually in real life the dad who's co-directing the movie. So they're all in this movie, and it's good performances. It doesn't feel at all amateur at all, nothing about it. And the dad um, accidentally uh, is driving back and hits the girl in the dark. Uh, and realizes he's killed her, and so he covers it up in this house he's flipping, and then she comes back to haunt the fuck out of him. And it is, while the mom's frantically trying to find out what happened to her daughter, she has no clue. And it's all within the small radius, and what the, I've never really seen one where the ghost has such, got such a good, at like, such an attitude, because it's this teenage girl who's just like, fuck you, asshole, I'm gonna fuck your shit up. And it's really awesome. And, it really is it's a great little movie and really inspiring. I've got to say, as somebody who's trying to make that like super low budget indie film, you just go, fuck, look at the way they went about this. It just shows you can you can do it. You just have to kind of work within your parameters. I think you'll yeah. dig it a lot. I think you'll be inspired. Okay. And it's also just a good drama. It's like a, a good um kind of searing and sad. You know, it's it's obviously obviously this the I'm not really spoiling it. That all happens within the first ten minutes and that is mm-hmm. the movie, but there's a lot more to it in terms of what's going on between the character dynamics, some spooky, weird Um, seance type stuff too. But yeah, really good. Deeper you dig. I hadn't heard anyone talk about it and I came across some article mentioning this family had made a movie and I was like, okay, I'm curious. That's awesome. Yeah, so Um, worth mentioning.
2: I'll also mention, um, and I'm just going to throw out titles here, Dark and the Wicked, I really enjoyed. Uh, Mortuary Collection, actually our very first show, Colors of the Dark, we had Ryan Spindell on. That's one that's definitely kind of stuck with me. There are some segments of that that I'm going to remember for a long time. Amulet was one that we we had gushed about um, that, you know, it's another one that didn't make our top 10 list, but was just a really tight film. And then I had to give some love to fingers. Because yeah,
1: I just talked Fingers- about it on the other show. Yeah, I love Fingers. It's my favorite dark comedy. It's so good.
2: I don't know if it's horror. I don't know what the fuck it is. It is, um, the setup, it is It is just bonkers. It's um, made by a, a small Florida filmmaker, um, small film, I mean. Um,
1: <laughs> <laughs> he's kind of short, but, you know, you don't have to make a thing <laughs> of it. <laughs> no, I
2: was saying it's a smaller I mean, film, yeah. um, definitely, you know, kind of a, a more indie project. It's got Jeremy Gardner in it in like the most hilarious Jeremy Gardner role. Ever. I
1: think it's but his best role. And I know that's I, controversial given all the things he's put himself in, but I think this is his funniest and best role.
2: I would definitely agree. It's his, I, I just lost it in the yeah. theater every single time he came on. it has got
1: screen. the greasy strangler yeah. too as his boss. And the
2: greasy strangler is in yes. it as well. The whole setup is that this girl works at this office and she's very organized. Everything's clean and neat and she's very healthy and eats well. And then- her office mate, the guy that she sits with at the office, he comes in one week and his finger's missing. And he's like, oh, I had some accident. I, I'm sorry, butterfingers. I am you know, accidentally cut off my finger this weekend. It was a hell of a weekend. And then three days later, he comes in and he's missing another finger. And she and wants to get him
1: fired. She, she goes to her boss trying to get rid of him because it grosses her out.
2: Yeah, and she's so just appalled by it because it's not like, you know, he's gone to the hospital and they're like clean. There's still like blood leaking out. Like it's like a bloody stump.
1: But she's also very, she's racist and uh, against anything that's outside of her Comfort zone, basically, and so it's a yeah, very it's weird and
2: time. Yeah, it's very in- politically. I, I which really is great.
1: Like it's, it makes it funny that. in that sense. That especially seeing it in a year like this, where obviously political correctness comes to the fore because your people are being squashed by the government. But so it makes sense. But this is a movie in, in opposition to a lot of that in a way that really works and is almost a relief in some ways. Um, but you're and right. She is yeah,
2: so horrible. Like, yeah, she's like, she's
1: pretty yeah. horrible, and yet so you can also horrible. you can also watch her and enjoy her because it's. There's, there's a donut scene early on where it's just because of, I think the girl has, who gives her the donuts has a mole on her face or something and she just walks out and throws them away because she yes. Just- It's so funny. No, this film is wild and it's like really small when we talk about like budgets and stuff. And I think a lot of people will forget about it, but uh, I have just anyone I could tell. And and it actually wasn't available for about a year after we saw it at the festival. And it's only about a few weeks ago that it's popped up on Amazon. So
2: yeah, this one, I put this in as like a questionable thing. This is a weird fucking movie. And it is very much in the same vein as The Greasy Strangler where this is not going to be for everybody. Um, Or even like Elric talked about, butt boy on our pc this is funnier
1: yeah. than greasy i agree greasy yeah. strangler but i found this a lot funnier and a lot more accessible in that way uh i think people will be able to relate to the some of the absurdity but uh and then connected to that i got to give a shout out to because this is a, we talked about synchronic uh we talked about this and after midnight i think deserves some love too because even though at, at heart it's more of a romance for most of it that happens to have a monster uh jeremy gardner directed this with bria grant and mm-hmm. it's and uh i think juan who fingers I think even worked on it um and you know it's produced by Benson Moorhead and uh, Lawson so so they're all kind of of a family but I think this movie especially especially that last kind of act of it is uh really fun really interesting and it's one I feel a little guilty because it's been a while since I saw it and so I really want to give it a second watch post-festival um because this is basically a kind of a, a Jeremy Gardner alone after a heartbreak uh and then a monster starts visiting at night and he starts questioning is this monster connected to the woman who isn't here or not? And uh, it's got some really kind of a great payoff at the end. So uh, that's Jeremy. And it's got a Jump Cut Cafe t-shirt in it, which is the only film uh, that exists that has that. So uh, Mm -hmm. there you go. So that is our, uh, a lot of horror movies for you. A lot of lists, a lot of good stuff this year.
2: Okay. So moving on, we got five other things that were not specifically movies, and you didn't do your homework here. Um, well, so I did, gonna, I did mine in
1: my next section. Yeah, you just pop it out. and I'll tell
2: Okay, you. so HBO show, The Outsider. Yes. Fucking amazing.
1: I agree with um, that one, big time.
2: I that loved that so much. Directed by Jason Bateman, starring him as well. Um, that's, that was just so much to love. I was so excited about that one every episode and really brought some beautiful actors and actresses to light that I hadn't really paid as much attention and to And Ben
1: Mendelsohn's the lead and he's one of my favorite actors on the planet mm-hmm. so he's awesome in it.
2: I had Five Total Strangers on it which was the book that I talked okay. about on our episode last week the Snowbound Horror oh, one yeah. by oh. Natalie D Richards. I read a lot of books or more of I listened to a lot of books on mm-hmm. tape um during the pandemic Wild uh wild thing or wild ones um was one of them. I Experimental Film by Gemma Files was great. The Broken Girls um by Simone St. James um that's the past two months i can't remember back prior to that but i've listened to a lot of books but this one um definitely hit a lot of buttons for me where it's um a claustrophobic horror film where you're trying to figure out who knows who so it's like a murder mystery in the meantime with also being kind of a horror film the third day on hbo as well
1: i enjoyed with you as a
2: lot yeah yeah this one was jude law and uh, she completely shifts gears midway through, which I know put a lot of people off, but I actually liked that it did that because um, it kind of completely reworked itself midway uh-huh. through. Had an absolute blast with it. And this one I just discovered last week, and I am totally in love with it now. And this is a show on Crunchyroll called Onyx Equinox. Hmm. This is just if you need monsters. And gore and batshit craziness. As soon as there was a crab monster, I was like, I'm fucking into this. Um, It's very fantasy. Like, it fits very much with Crunchyroll's kind of anime styling. Um, But in this, there's a bunch of different gods. And they are all at war with each other at the cost of humanity. Like, it's completely decimating society. And there is this one boy... um, who is an Aztec boy, and it is up to him to close all of these different gates to the underworld. Hmm. And there's a lot. Behind it, but it's ultimately like a hero's journey through all of these different kind of monstrous realms and adventure to get there. And it's very dark. It is very intense. It is very gory. There is a lot about grief in it as well, about kind of dealing with like sins of the father and um, your own personal story. They just did twelve episodes. I think I'm on eight now. Um and there's uh, a new one airing every Saturday. I wrote it down. So yeah, I am so excited to keep watching this one. And this is on Crunchyroll. Hmm. I've been paying attention to Crunchyroll a lot I've never because even heard they've of been Crunchyroll. Crunchy. It's it's a lot of anime stuff, but they've hmm. recently been doing a lot of stuff with Genji Ito. Hmm. And I've watched some of their other anime shows. Anytime that it kind of drifts into horror, I've definitely. Paid attention, and they just within the past year started doing a lot of crossovers with Junji Ito. They have an amazing Junji Ito clothing line, Um, and they've been doing some uh, animated adaptations of Junji Ito's stories. And then when I saw the ads for this, I was like, "Well, that looks badass! It looks like." you know, every issue of heavy metal magazine come to life or like every, I said the same thing about Mandy where like every frame of this should be painted on the side of someone's van. Like it kicks that much ass. Mm. Um, and so then when I realized it was Josh Pruitt, I was like, holy shit. Now I'm definitely in, and yeah, so horror fans looking for something different, something that is really Pushing the envelope monster and gore-wise, check out Onyx Equinox on Crunchyroll. This has been um, just, i again, I didn't even get into like a couple of weeks ago, but I have now binged this and it's a blast. So yeah, any, oh, and I'll also mention my graphic novel picks for the year. Um, I've got three here that I definitely kind of binge read and I don't think that any of these started during 2020. I think all of these were kind of going before this year but it was this year that I discovered them and they're all still releasing this year and that is the plot moonshine and gideon falls were by far the highlight reads of my year um gideon falls just got picked up by james wan's company atomic monster i heard okay. Interesting. um so yeah but definitely check out all three of those the plot moonshine and gideon falls
1: um the only one i'll throw on there is i've talked about it somewhere on one of our shows was a uh, servant The TV show that is on Apple. um, Uh, M. Night Shyamalan one, right? Yeah, he produced it. It's just gotten greenlit for its second season, and it's very intriguing. It's uh, the couple who are grieving the loss of a child. Uh, They hire this nanny to come in and pretend their fake baby, kind of like the boy, their grief baby, I guess, is alive, and she's pretending it, and then that night... After her arrival, the husband is like, okay, you can cut the shit. We don't, you know, when it's just me and you, it's just for her. It's just for show. And he, and then he hears a baby cry and he's like, what the fuck? And he goes to the crib where a fake baby was. And now there's a real baby. And he's like, what is going on? And it just builds this. It's almost like bringing folk heart into a modern Manhattan kind of or Philadelphia, wherever it's set. Uh, world and you go uh oh <laughs> from frame one you're like this is not gonna go somewhere good for these people in the long run and what is the deal with this girl who has moved into their house and it starts opening up the, its mysteries even at the end of this first season which was pretty short I binged it in like a couple of days each one's like 30 minutes um, it ended at a place where I was maximally into it where i was like okay what 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 and then it's like wait till next season so uh... Uh, so i'm definitely interested it's my kind of heart it's kind of reminds me in terms of tone it reminds me of the movie birth by jonathan glazer which i am a big fan of that kind of kind of, which also looks a bit like rosemary's baby just that kind of upper crust new york apartment uh a lot of slow zooms and slow mm-hmm. you know just it just it, it works um not overtly in your face horror obviously but a lot of that kind of grief horror. So that one I definitely would recommend. I, yeah, I've definitely mostly been in the movie zone this year. Not a lot of other, uh, you know, some books that I am not, um, I'm blanking on. And, uh, I don't think I've read much other graphic novel stuff. So I'll, I'll just stick with the, the films. I discovered a lot of like TV movies and stuff that was new to me, but, um, but let's say okay, for so our brief, um, top old five. Yes. Yeah, so I call these, uh, new to us horror, mm-hmm. you know, or discoveries.
2: So I thought about just doing um because I spent the first part of the pandemic um doing all of those post-apocalyptic roller skating movies for the oh, patreon yeah. show. I kind of just thought of going through those and just doing five roller skating movies but I didn't yes, but don't I do, do have that. Don't like do that. a mention up at the top that I did. I watched a stupid amount of post-apocalyptic roller skating
1: movies. I so, just don't, I all. don't know how that all exists, but it does. <laughs> uh, believe It was it Solar
2: Babies after Solar Babies started it. And then it was going from there. Rollerball actually predecessed it, but then there was a little break and then um, Solar Babies and then the world explodes. And we get like dozens of post-apocalyptic roller skating movies or skateboarding movies. There was a uh-huh. couple or um, I think in Orpheus, they may have actually been using Orpheus. Orpheus, I think was skateboards. Um, it may have been in line. It was it was it was something. they were on wheels it was going crazy. Well, <laughs> mostly, you
1: know. yeah, well, most of these will either have appeared at least for me I know a lot of these either appeared on Pure Cinema or they'll appear here. Um, but there's some, I discovered so much good stuff this year it's really hard to narrow mm-hmm. it down. But these are the ones that are most um, me and my vibe and I'm going to keep these all brief because I know they I know it's going to be a longer episode. My um, number five is a is one of the most Hitchcockian movies I've ever seen in my life and I had never I'd heard the title and I'd seen the remake but never seen the original and that is called And Soon the Darkness. The remake had Carl Urban was set in Argentina, totally different movie. Um, And this is directed by the guy did Abominable, Doctor Fibes. It's Robert Foyce from 1970. And this is a classy, brilliantly crafted thriller and it's really tense and it's basically two english girls uh have gone to the french countryside to kind of escape boring jobs uh they're they're together one of them kind of would rather just get it on with local boys if she could and the other one kind of said but we said we're gonna do this many miles a day and you know they're kind of at odds about that side of it they pass this kind of guy who gives them a look over on the french open road they take a pit stop and have a little bit of a fight and get separated and the one girl played by Pamela Franklin, goes to the next town and says, well, I'll wait for her here because there's no other way she could have gone. And she waits and she waits and she waits and she never comes. And they find out that there had been a murder on this road at some point. And so she goes to, and she's English and everyone else is French and French, rural French. So they don't necessarily speak English and she's struggling to communicate with people and finally finds a police officer and is trying to get help. And there's a lot of uh, potentials to what could be happening. They go back to the spot and the girl's no longer there. And we start to go, uh-oh, what could be happening? Who should she trust? Who should she shouldn't? And it's really tense. And it just is, it's like as close to where you, you see a great Hitchcock movie, especially where it goes to at the end. It's like this perfect button. Uh, I watched this for, we did an all-nighter for the new Beverly. We planned a horror all-nighter for our Halloween mm-hmm. episode. And this is a, was a new-to-me watch I discovered when um, looking at that. And I just think it's phenomenal. Um, so if you're looking for kind of a classy, uh, you know, kind of um, thriller type of horror, this is a really good one. And soon the darkness.
2: Nice. Um, My number five was Spider Labyrinth.
1: Yeah, which which we just I love it. Just
2: talked about on our Patreon show last night. This is a Italian horror giallo esh thing from 1988 that I, for some reason, thought I had seen because I had a bootleg of it for a really long time. But um, when I actually sat down and watched it, I had never seen this before. And Elric put this one best where you said that had. Um, this this felt like a third mother film
1: yeah if the mother of like, tears hadn't at, existed this could have yeah. inserted in yeah, yeah.
2: If, because it did, it was not Argento. I mean, Argento is like a fucking artist and, you know, yeah. every frame is crafted, um, especially within his early work. But this did have his style. It was still this witch cult. It still had all of kind of the Argento trappings that you see in Suspiria and in our Inferno. And it had a great ending scene that went really bonkers and off the rails and just crazy in the final moments of the film. And I had a blast with this one. This is a tough one. One to find, so I was kind of hesitant to put it on my list because I wanted to give things that people could go hunt down. And with this one, good luck finding it. But if you can, it's well, fun. yeah.
1: Go to the deep if you if you're on Patreon, go listen to it because we do give some tips of how you might be able to see it. And um, there is a YouTube channel who had it up recently, so it might come back again. But the goal is that somebody listening or uh, who watches it will, you know, look into the rights we're, for us.
2: We're, we're looking at you, Severin.
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely. Like, this this isn't just like, oh, it's okay. It's like, no, no, when it's going, like, when it's got some padding and some people walking around stuffy, hungry, talking about academics. But when the horror moments happen, you're like, oh, shit, this is going for it. And it's kind of wild. It's going wild. crazy. And yeah, it definitely feels like it's got the Inferno um, influence for sure. Uh, so I love that one, too. Um, my number four is one that I, again, another one I just totally, this is the probably the most random film I've ever discovered. I, I think I just read the word and looked it up and found it's a, it, it looks like a TV movie. It wasn't. It's called The Appointment, uh, directed by Lindsay C. Vickers. It's British. It's um, Worker Man's Edward Woodward. And I think it would be an interesting- Hold
2: on, say it right.
1: Uh, Iwawoa I- 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 um, you are, you are. I, 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 well Edward Woodward without where would he be without the, the, the letter D I you, are, you, are. Um, you know it's still the worst joke that was ever told to me that I also bombed telling it to the world um, I mean I have to put that in some context because Edward Woodward is an actor that I know only because of Wicker Man but like most of the world if unless you're British wouldn't even know who he is and I just remember like I had my roommate in America but he was British and he came up to me because Elric where do you think edward woodward would be without the letter d and i just looked at him like i had no idea where he was going he goes E-wa-u-wa. and he just looked at me straight and i looked at him like that's the best joke i've ever heard in my life <laughs> i didn't really feel that way anyway um when i told it i don't think it worked so well. um anyway it's um it would pair really well with don't look now it's 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 um, still hard to find. This is definitely a deep cut, but I think it might be on YouTube now. And the quality is not great. It looks like it's been um, from TV, you know, back in the eighties. It definitely, somebody needs to give a good quality to it. It is like a mood piece. It's this very minimal, basically it's just Edward, it opens with this little girl or 13 year old girl, whatever, walking home from school, and it's like these sounds in the forest kind of she starts noticing them and she's standing in this crossroads and then she just suddenly flies in the bushes. And you're like, what the fuck? Like it's a, like a James Wan effect. Like you're like, holy shit. And it's like 10 years later <laughs> and you're like, what, what just happened? And, <laughs> and it's like this haunted stretch, but it never really explains it. And then it's this other girl who's come home and you see her maybe talking to something in the bushes, but you're not really sure. She comes home, kisses her dad on the cheek and her dad's Edward Woodward. And that night he has these really fucked up dreams about wild dogs attacking him in a weird stretch of road where he's going to where he might crash. And basically you start to realize he's having this dark premonition of everything that's going to happen the next day because he's got this appointment to get to. And then it's just about the inevitability of fate. And it's really dark and has a couple one at one gangbuster car effect that i still am like how the hell did they do that and it's a movie i've never heard another human in my entire life mention this movie i read the words in some weird text looked it up found it and then i found that. and i've recommended it to like my friends dick and start, people who live out here after i talked about it all watched it and felt the same way i did which is it's just don't go in for like a big story it's just the mood of it it feels like mm-hmm. a dream that you don't want to keep having but you can't wake up from just like the dream he's having. And then it has this very eerie kind of ending. Uh, I looked up the person who made it because I didn't know if it was a woman or a man with the name Lindsay. And I, so I was very curious, like if this had been directed by a woman in the you know early 80s. Uh, it is a man, but he was, a, I think, a second unit guy for a lot of Hammer stuff. And then this is one of the only, this is the only feature length thing he directed. And he did, did like a 30 minute film called The Lake, which a few people have written to me and you about that the BFI just put out, a oh, blu-ray yeah. of odds and ends like short form and this is on that uh, not appointment but his other film called the lake so i'm going to buy that just for that reason because i i need to know what else um but again if you're if you like don't look now and you like edward woodward from *Wicker man it's super like i said i'm 90 percent sure it's on youtube uh i'll double check we can always post it after the episode it's really something um i haven't seen much like it but it kind of hits that sweet spot of dread horror you know which you know right. I like, i'm a big fan of
2: Oh, totally. Um, so my number four is The Cat.
1: Oh, yes. I'm so, so glad you put that
2: on. The Cat was sent to me by Elric, and this is um, this bonkers fucking movie directed by the same guy who did this You story would never know. I
1: mean, why would it be bonkers? Why would it be bonkers? I know, now?
2: right? It's the, the story same guy who did the story of Ricky, yeah. and it is that level of like, fucking insanity and gore. Yeah. The whole setup of this is that there's this cat and it's an alien cat and it's teamed up with this girl who's an alien to fight this other alien. But they're on Earth in the middle of this like gang war happening in Hong Kong. And um, is it Hong Kong?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's definitely yeah, Hong Kong. Kong. Yeah. And, Hong then, Kong and Kong. then there's like yeah. huge, like Yuzna like monsters that they're Green, fighting.
2: Yeah, just like, like these gory, goopy body horror sequences where people are just like melting and absorbing into the creature. It is chaotic. I don't even really know what happens most of the time. The plot just goes in like crazy directions, but, but it's it funny
1: too. Like it's matter. really funny. And,
2: yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, just crazy. This one um, was one that I was not expecting to kind of, you know, embrace quite as much as I did. And this is now one that I'm like, why does this not have the same level of love as the story of Ricky? Because it is just as crazy um you may not be punching through somebody's chest but actually i think there might be some point in this movie where they punch through something. yeah there's
1: chest. some crazy stuff i mean yeah this yeah this director made um i, I don't want to butcher his name it was like lee nam dong or something and he uh
2: lamb guy kai
1: it might be uh he made like yeah. a bunch of movies I wrote but, it down. I but it's have, like last three were all great. Um, I can't remember mm-hmm. the other one that I saw last year. Uh, the, with,
2: Ricky Goh and this were his last two films. Yeah,
1: and the one right before that has Chow Yun-fat, um, and it's a, kind of a satanic cult thing, and it's really good. Um, almost on that level of these, but these ones are just so out there. And then he just stopped, and you're like, wow, Like you're left on a high point, because the you know, story of Ricky's like in terms of effects and stuff, amazing. Um, yeah, I love this movie. I, I found out about this one, because the Alamo Drafthouse in Minnesota, there's a guy there... Um, who makes uh tim holly i think it is uh makes really cool shirts that i've been buying like um i bought that the last shark shirt i gave you is from him um, oh it's beautiful yeah so he hosts screenings of random things and one day i saw a t-shirt that he had made for the cat and i'd never even heard of the cat so i was like what what is that movie and that's how i uh went down the cat road so uh, i love to give shout outs to those who uh share things with us just like we try to share with everyone else um my number three is a tv movie uh that i saw for that episode i was telling you about um and this movie, you wouldn't know. It. it doesn't feel like a TV movie. It's Dan Curtis. And dude, this, if you haven't seen, have you seen the Norless tapes by Dan Curtis? Ah. It is so good, especially for someone like you who loves the X-Files. It Wait, is like Norlist the Norlis tapes. Um, I, I If I had uh, power... And money. This is what I would reboot, and I'd probably turn it into a series, like because it's just so good. So it was meant to be a series. It was meant to be a pilot, um and it just never got picked up. um So Dan Curtis directs. It feels like just a feature. Roy Thinnes is, is is a um, he's a guy who writes th- books debunking things, right? Kind of like John Kuzek in Fourteen Room, Fourteen Oh Eight, or whatever.
2: Fourteen Oh Eight.
1: Yeah, and so he's that kind of character, and he's got this new book that's due, and he's struggling with it, where he was meant to debunk the supernatural, um, and unfortunately he has sent these tapes to his publisher he or he sent a tape a message to the publisher going um i'm struggling with the book because i'm he's found something that he's at odds with about the supernatural he, he goes missing you know in the first five minutes of this movie uh and the publisher goes into his house and finds all these tapes uh, that he's been tr- narrating the book that he's meant to do and uh the book uh, basically the person pushes play on these tapes, and we start, and then it cuts to the movie, right? What's happened? And it's him and um, Angie Dickinson. Angie Dickinson is married in a huge mansion to this uh, artist who has died about a month before. And one night recently, she went into his art studio, and he was there basically as a zombie with glowing eyes, and he attacked her. And she's like, This is insane. This can't be. Uh, so she's asked for help. No one believes her. And this guy goes to kind of talk to her and investigate. And sure enough, they start to uncover. Uh, somehow that he has made a pact with the devil that uh, or a demon that if he paints makes this uh, figure of this demon in clay the demon will be able to come back and kind of you know rule or whatever and it's all done like an x-files episode so it's this crazy wow. horror that it exists in this very real world setting and it has amazing effects the guy the dead guy looks fucking scary like type in the type in the name of this movie and you'll see some of the images and you'll be like what how have i not seen that this is it's one of the best movies of the year i saw and let alone it was would have been a series a pilot um and it would have been the best monster of the week kind of show um because i assume it would have been this guy Norless. each tape probably would have been a different one of his encounters but this first one it doesn't feel like a tv thing at all it just felt like a its own movie i'd only learned that it was a pilot afterwards um and uh, I have a good version of it. That must have been somebody must have taped it from HD or something because I've seen a good version. I know on YouTube, it's TV movies are pretty easy to you know get on YouTube. But if if it's not a great copy, um, I'll share the other one with you. Please
2: but, share yeah, this with me. I, I love, love, love it. it. Yeah.
1: Like I loved it, and I was just like, ah, oh, this is exactly the kind of series I would want to make because you know, and same kind of thing with, that you would love too. So,
0: yeah. um,
1: So that's the Norland, and Dan Curtis is just the best. I mean, you know, uh, you know, everyone knows Dan Curtis from uh, your favorite anthology, the. Uh, What's the one you told me about with the dead of, night. dead of night, the one where yeah. uh the Bobby story. Um, but he's also the night strangler and the night stalker as well. So
2: so the next one, um, my third uh discovery of the year is um Famina Rydens The oh, yes. Laughing Woman, which is another one that you brought me. Yeah. This is a 1969 Italian thriller directed by Piero. Shiva Zappa, yes, I'm going with like it. That, yeah. Um, and this one just had so much style. It really feels like a uh, torture porn before the torture porn, and it is just and woman band. revenge
1: before there was that yeah. that kind of no, band, yes. revenge. Yeah,
2: it, it. But it's all done in this very kind of artistic, restrained style where this guy is controlling and very, you know, misogynistic and masochistic. And he kidnaps this very outspoken feminist journalist. And then holds her captive and starts subjecting her to all of these different games. But it has all of this style to it. It is very mod. If you think like 1969, it's got these sequences that feel almost kind of blow up in kind of how mod it comes across the style of it, the the filming, the furniture, the costuming and things like that. It's just got a lot of aesthetics within that world. But at the same time, it does feel like a rape revenge film long before those ever became a prominent part of the horror exploitation landscape. I have no idea why this movie has not gotten more attention. Yeah, I, I know I
1: had a good DVD release at some point by Shameless, but it's long out of print now and hasn't got a Blu-ray. And that's crazy because it's definitely a visually it's, it's in the Giallo framework. It's yes. a little pre giallo and it doesn't stick to all of the Giallo hallmarks because it's got much more of a point to it uh, than your typical mystery. It's not a mystery per se, um, but yeah, it's really original. I, I only, I like, I'd heard of it, but I didn't know much about it. And that, um, the projection booth uh, asked me, and I think it was Kat Allinger on that one. And I I was watching it for the first time and there were so many layers to discuss. It was actually, if you watch it and want to hear more discussion, it was, it was a good conversation because you can kind of, you know, dig into just one movie. Uh, but I agree. I think it's, it's definitely one of the be- best things I saw this year too. Just totally different than other uh, Giallo. That yeah thing.
2: this time it was really doing something and a real big
1: started. kind of feminist so. twist i mean it's where oh, it goes yeah. it's like really saying something and you're like oh okay i didn't necessarily know that's where this thing was gonna land because um, it's definitely about misogyny uh
2: and i um, bought the soundtrack while i was watching yeah it. no it's
1: actually a great score i think is that stivaletti or something yeah no stivaletti um the caprini i think it's the same guy as does tentacles i think uh I'm looking for it
2: right now. It's
1: a really, I, I listen to it. I
2: will find it.
1: Uh, my number two
2: is-, uh, it is. It is Cabrini. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Cap- yeah, I'm gonna say it wrong, but yes. Yes, I've um, been
1: listening to his stuff more than most uh, components just because I love that that tentacle. Caprion. I mean, yeah, Capriano. Yeah. Um, my number two is one I know you love a lot, and I, I, I you had seen it before me. But I don't, I didn't get it from you, though. I might have subconsciously. I don't remember where I stumbled in, but the, um, it's one of my just favorite things I saw this year, and that is "Burn Witch, Burn," A.K. Oh, yeah. Night, Night the Eagle Night this of movies. Eagle. It's like a perfect. Like, of the film, horror films from the 60s, I think it's one of my favorites now. It's Mm -hmm. basically, and it's also great because it's academic like jealousy movie and a witch movie which is yeah. just the best thing so it's uh, it's written by Charles Beaumont who uh, wrote a couple really good a lot of good Twilight Zone episodes and it has that feeling um, very beautifully made film um, but it's basically an academic who is uh, you know lecturing in England he's American but lecturing in England about uh, you know you can't believe in the supernatural and he's like he's somebody he's like the he's the Mulder no he's the Scully uh, to the Mulder in that sense like he's talking about how uh, you know fairy tales myth and all these things are just that that there's nothing more to them that's his his thing of course he then has this dinner party uh that reveals to him that he in fact his wife has been practicing uh witchcraft to protect him from uh people who seek to do him harm who are near him he doesn't know who and he doesn't believe her so he banishes any of the witchcraft stuff and she's just doing it to support him. She's not some dark witch. And he bans all the stuff from their house, and then terrible shit starts to happen to him, and his whole life starts to unravel because somebody. And I don't want to ruin it for people because it's so awesome because it's all suddenly holes of academia uh, is trying to take him down. And she is uh, the characters that you get in in that are hilarious and really uh, kind of malevolent and dark. And there's also batshit uh, where it's called Night of the Eagle because there's batshit uh, bird attack sequence, um, mm-hmm. too. And it's just a really, really well made traditional um, black and white uh, horror movie, and of that time, uh, he also did Tomb of Legia. I believe he. Wrote. Oh,
2: which I love Tomb of Legia. Yeah, I'm pretty one sure my wrote favorite that of the the yeah. cycle. Yeah, that's
1: the one with the blind. Uh, yeah, the person doesn't want to be buried alive.
2: Vernon, no. Oh. That's premature very... Early. Premature. Sorry. Okay. Oh, wait. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Um, you're Tomb right, of Legia yeah. is the blind person. White. Yeah. Yeah, Tomb of Legia. Well, I mean, he's blind in all of them, or to a degree, because they're all about like even follow house of usher, it's always his senses, you know, and very sensitive to everything. No, I think you're right. I think Legia's been
1: surprised though, right?
2: Yeah, Tuma is my dead wife is a cat.
1: Yeah, no, I like that one more. I'm I'm thinking of premature burial, though, because it is the, uh, but which is also cool, too. Um, Anyway, uh, and and if you read up about him, it's really crazy how Charles Bowman died, because he wrote these really interesting um, you know, kind of Twilight Zone type things, but he got this disease that he died at like 40 something early 40s that made you age benjamin button style so as when he was like 40 saying he looked 80 something it's this it's this very unusual disease and he was doing a huge output of work right towards the end and you read up on about, about him on imdb it's kind of shocking um but also a real creative force i think the kind of things he was doing so burn which burn love it great movie
2: mm-hmm. my number two discovery of the year was actually um brought to me by ryan turek When we were doing one of our episodes on something like our favorite films from the 90s, he or it wouldn't have been 90s, it would have been like the last decade. Maybe this was last year when we were doing like Mm. a countdown of like our favorite things from, you know, the decade. He had mentioned the movie Dream Home, which is a Hong Kong horror movie from 2010. And I was fairly sure that I had seen this movie before. It sounded familiar. I felt like I'd seen this. Um, And then when I realized that there was like four other films called Dream Home, I was immediately like, I don't think I've ever seen this. So I hunted it down. And this is absolutely one of my favorite things I've seen in years. And I can't believe I missed this the first time through. I
1: still haven't watched it because I I remember there's a film I thought was a remake with Daniel Craig and I don't think it was, but it had a similar title dream house or something.
2: Yeah, so that was not great. I remember yeah, that. No, that was a remake of The Uninvited. No, it was yeah, it was a remake of one of the ones. Okay. Um, but Tale of Two Sisters, maybe. Yeah, it was a remake of mm-hmm. something. But um, Dream Home 2010 Hong Kong slasher film is about this girl who dreams of living in this building that is on the water. It's just this exclusive tower um, condo building, and she dreams of living there but can't afford it. And so she comes up with this theory that if she can cause enough murders there, the property prices will drop and then some apartments will free up and she will probably be able to get in. So she goes about executing her plan in the most horribly graphic, intense, just jaw dropping death scenes you have ever seen. This thing makes Possessor look like a kid's movie. I kid you not, but it's a comedy. <laughs> you gotta see it. It is, it is even Monty, um, Yazzie, when I was talking to him about this movie, he was like, I remember just gasping and jaw dropping mm. and people walking out of the theater. It is so fucking intensely brutal, but at the same time, it is a comedy. And it's one of these things where you don't know whether to laugh or not because it is so fucking horribly mm. brutal. But at the same time, the way that it is shot, it is shot in this incredibly brilliant comedic style and um, just so clever the way that it's done. I This is one of those movies where I felt bad for loving it so much because it was just so brutal and so mean spirited. But at the same time, you're cheering for her the whole time, but she's horrible and everything she's doing is just brutal no remorse whatsoever and then she gets the apartment and yeah but it to even see it that
1: because I, I remember when it there's came a out
2: lot more to it than that i know it's also so,
1: about how hard it is to get a place and yeah it's, 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 so it's one
2: the whole thing is about climbing the social yeah. ladder but and it's not just about getting the apartment and even when you know Th- there's a lot more to it. Yeah. So definitely put this one on your watch list for this coming year. This was just um, one of those. And again, I thought I'd seen it. And then when I was pulling up images of it, I was suddenly like, I've never seen this. This is brutal as shit. And, oh, it's just, it's wild. Um, so that is Dream Home from 2010 Hong Kong.
1: Yeah. My last one um, is my, my number one, just the movie that blew me away. I'd always uh, almost watched it and just didn't because I don't really like uh, killer kid movies. I tend to not believe them and be kind of like, yeah, whatever. Um, kids suck, but they're not you know scary to me. Uh, this is an uh, absolute stunner. Uh, who can yours not
2: wake you up at three a.m. sleepwalking? I mean, they, and you stay- know
1: they can do creepy but- stuff like that, but I just I'm not scared of like when I see movies about like little kids going around killing people with a plan. I'm okay. like, I can outsmart a fucking kid. Sorry, I will. So, But uh, this movie is an utter stunner, and it's just sh- truly shocking and intense, and that is uh, the Spanish film Who Can Kill a Child from mm-hmm. 1976. I start finally the, like, going a macabre... Uh, blu-ray and this is by the same guy who did the house that screamed which is also a really great movie um mm-hmm. and this is just a couple english tourists but it's just funny because it's the second movie i've loved this year with two english tourists in a foreign country um because the first one is was my number five but uh they just uh she's she's pregnant they are going to a spanish island that he has he went to as a kid and they get out there And they start noticing there aren't many adults around, and they see some of the kids, and they look fine, but they're not really communicating. And they start walking around, and no one's around, and it's like a ghost town. And then they kind of turn a corner and see these kids doing something really brutal to a body, and you start to realize, wait a minute, every child on this island is now a killer and they don't. You don't know why, and you don't know what they're doing. But basically, now you are stuck here in this situation. And I don't want to really say too much about where it goes, but it's very bleak. It's very dark, and it's very believable. And it's almost like everything that happens. Um, you know, there's some mysteries certainly around. You know, the why, which is uh, better than saying exactly why, but. Um, it's really good like this is such a well-made movie that it will have you on your toes um and i did notice I, I, I saw it earlier this year um but i did notice in the new eli roth series that he just did they did an episode on killer kids and so it's cool to see a couple clips of this get some love so i was like hopefully some people will discover it through that um but this is a terrific movie uh if you can get a chance it's like i said it's a M- mondo macabre blu-ray and it's phenomenal
2: I need to rewatch this. I watched the original 1976 one probably 10 years ago when that guy with one name and the manifesto made the remake of it. Ma- Malikov, I don't even yeah, remember. Yeah, I never his saw the now. remake. I remember <laughs> I just remember the manifesto. Yeah. Anytime you have a manifesto go with your movie, I'm only going to remember the manifesto. So, well done-ish. Yeah. No. Um, but I, I had watched it before I saw the remake and remember at the time thinking that the original was so just eerie. Like it's
1: just, yeah, it's eerie. There, yeah. You don't know what's happening. And, and, and also just seeing what the adults reaction to, because the title puts you in a position of, if your only way to survive is to kill a child, who this idea is, can you do it in the situation that they're in? And it really pushes the boundary of what they're going to have to do to survive. And it's, mm-hmm. it's intense. it's a great, really cool movie. Um, so your last one.
2: So my last one, I'm going to say that this is fringy horror. Um, it's horror adjacent in that it will appeal to horror fans, but it is not true horror. It is a documentary. And this was by far my favorite discovery of the year because it was a fucking rabbit hole that I am still going down. And this is the documentary. I talked about it on our Patreon show, Resurrect the Dead, the Toy and Bee Tiles. Do you want to know why I'm glad
1: you're putting it as your number one? Why is that? Because the only, there's only one DVD of it that Netflix has, and it's on my shelf right now.
2: Oh shit! So I returned it, and you yes,
1: got it, and it's the only copy they okay. have. And I haven't I haven't watched it yet. It was about three weeks ago that I got it after you talked about it, but I haven't watched it. Now you're forcing me to watch it.
2: Okay, so this was like my pandemic distraction for yeah. the year. This was my. Uh, fave rabbit hole of the year. And it's because it related to me. So I'll make this brief because I could talk for hours about this now. Um, So when I used to live in Washington, D.C., there was one day that I was walking down the street and there was this weird thing on the street. And this is like back in like 2002, And there was this weird thing on the street and it said like resurrect the dead. And it referenced Stanley Kubrick's um, 2001 and something about Jupiter. And it was like tiles put into the street. And I remember thinking, wow, that's weird. And then kind of going on with my day. And then years later, like five years later, I had moved to New York City and I saw another one. That was really similar. And that's when I started getting like, what the fuck? And I remember coming home and Googling resurrect the dead and being like, what is this? And they are things that pop up, tiles that pop up in roads, in in cities all across the U.S. They go as far over as I think Kansas. They went all the way down into South America. And this documentary searches for who is doing this. And what their message is and what the tiles mean and why. And it is just because these things, like hundreds of these things have popped up all over. Um, Supposedly, there was one in Richmond while I was living in Richmond that I didn't know about. And now I just want to go find them and see if, you know, they're still popping up. Apparently, the biggest uh, kind of crowding of them is in Philadelphia. And that they're all over particular neighborhoods in Philadelphia, and this kind of it's it's very much like a um, I'll say a Netflix style documentary where it's one guy who is like I'm going to figure out what the hell these things mean and the mystery, and he starts hunting them down and using clues from all over the world and things that people remember. And it's it's just my favorite rabbit hole of the year. Well, I will Um, weigh
1: in once I see it because you you definitely piqued my interest. And when I went to Netflix, it was like, there is one copy of this. And I'm like, I will rent that one (laughs) copy. Not so secure. I had
2: tried because um, this came about because a couple the way that I found the documentary a couple of months ago, I was going through some of my pictures because um, that's like what everybody did at the top of the pandemic. You clean out your closet and you go through all your old pictures. So I was cleaning out all my old shoeboxes full of pictures of New York. And I found where I'd taken a picture of one of these tiles and I was like, oh my God, I forgot about these things. I wonder what this is. And then I Googled it and then the documentary popped up and I was like, holy shit, there's a documentary about these now. And um, I'm not the only one who was fascinated by them. You know, people, there there's entire internet threads where people have like dedicated free time to trying to figure out what the hell these things are. And so for me, this is why I say it was horror adjacent. This for me was like a real life mystery to solve like a real life. What the fuck is going on? Like something that is so on the surface that you walk over every day and it's all over the country down into South America. But at the same time, no one was really asking questions. Nobody really cared. It's just like some words on the street. Um, So for me, this was even though it does not go hard, don't expect there to be a body count or anything like that. For me, this fueled the same kind of like what happens next type mystery that I love about horror films. What's the name of the show? Uh, resurrect the no, dead. The colors
1: of the dark. The dark. So we do all the yeah. colors here? We are all not, the you colors. Don't have to justify. Colors of the dark. We don't have to. We're not just horror. It's all. It's all branches of the darkness. So I love it. So I love it. So uh, this
2: is my favorite rabbit hole of the entire pandemic.
1: That's awesome. Well, we have hit you with many movies and things to chase here. Did you have? Uh, and you might not have one. Did you have a favorite like Blu-ray that came out this year? I'm just curious. like you know. Obviously, you get so many and obviously you got cruel jaws coming up so that's
2: i gotta say i really liked the wax mask oh yeah was one of my like blu-ray discoveries that i and i mean i couldn't tell you what's on the bonus feature but that was one like a blind watch where i received the blu-ray and was like i don't even know what this is um and rather enjoyed it I,
1: i only ask because mine's body parts
2: Oh God!
1: I love body parts. Sorry, that gets an eye uh, roll. And body parts is out from Scream Factory, so as I can <sighs> my so I can create my legion of people who understand why I love body parts so much. Oh uh, God! I
2: I, I I that maybe movie. if you watch
1: it on Blu-ray again, maybe you'll have a different feeling.
2: Maybe I just I look back at it and say, God, it was so sleazy it's and gamby. so well. It's she- not campy at all.
1: And- there's a couple camp moments with the horror, but it's such a like well-made movie. It's so good.
2: I um, will re-watch it. Let's, I want
1: to do a thing where we do a section where one of us who is less keen on saying has to be convinced by the other over a drink or something. I don't Can
2: know. Can I make you watch a musical?
1: No. <laughs> I'm incredibly open-minded. No.
2: <laughs>
1: I mean, depends what it is.
2: <laughs> Let's talk come up with something. Okay, okay. Well, we'll oh have fun One with. musical that you've never been open to. There's many.
1: Anyway, that's our epic for the It's Longer Than Normal, but that's because there were so many movies to talk about. That is our year-end wrap. 2020 that has been an utter incredible. shit show of a year, uh, but uh, some of us have survived with movies uh, and sharing movies and talking about movies. Has certainly helped. so uh if you remember uh, a couple things for us like we also do some more deep cuts that will be a couple times a month uh on patreon we have this live screening of cruel draws coming up on the 28th 28th yep um and then so that will be a live uh, film that you can watch and hear us uh, discuss a little bit and um anything else and then you know the new year we'll we'll be keeping at it we- we're still we're gonna enjoy having a few days uh downtime but other than that we just keep rolling
2: yeah, we're just gonna keep rolling, and uh, we have some fun guests planned for the new year, and some drinking games. And I'm just looking over the She's list making
1: all things. this stuff up. I don't yeah. know.
2: No, no, she's we got, talked about. She's drinking She's got surprises games. in the
1: store for me. Uh, I'm okay with surprises. That's
2: I'm just gonna show up with booze and be like, "We're drinking tonight." Right. That's the game. So yeah. Okay. Uh,
1: but yeah, huge thank you to Fangoria uh, for jumping on the journey with us. Big thank. I want to put a big, big thank you out to Hag Cult. Uh, for designing that logo and kind of helping us kickstart uh, whether we don't know how it will happen but I, I guarantee t-shirts or mugs or something with that logo this year will happen in 2021 because it's awesome.
2: definitely and thank you all so much and everyone please have a happy safe holiday and a wonderful new year and we will see you in 2021 Woo. the dark podcast is a fangoria production producers and co-hosts are rebecca mckendry and elric kane executive producers are tara ainsley and abby gold associate producer is jessica Safavamir, amir and our amazing sound engineer ernie hurtado happy holidays everyone